0: and welcome, all you commanders, eagles, and angels. This is Rainbird, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Tara and Rama's Hard News on Friday night at BDS Radio Station 1. So we're grateful you're joining us here. And we'd like to take a few moments to set the tone for the evening, to center ourselves, and get into that heart space. So let's take a few gentle breaths. Breathe in through your nose. Out through your mouth, or whatever breathing protocol you like to use, gently and slowly. So let go of that dross of the day. Let us go into our heart space, and in our heart space, we can gather with our guides and guardians, our ancestors, our spirit teams, our healing teams. Our totems. Whoever you like to join with for that peyote um, drum. You can hear that peyote drum. It's that calling drum calling us. So there's a council fire and it's in the center. Let's gather around that council fire in that virtual way we know how to do. Come in close. And as we were in there, in that council fire, we're in that circle, we're next to each other. Let us call in the seven galactic directions in the Mayan tradition. honor so even may see things clearly. We I mean, welcome from the North. And bring us the harvest so that we might enjoy the fruits of the planetary beings. We welcome from above the House Paradise. We're the star people and the ancestors. Their blessings reach us now. Source of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. See everything be recognized as the light of mutual love. Aya, Hunaku, even Maya in hope. Ayam Hunaku, even Maya in the Ayam
1: Hunaku,
0: even Maya. Home, all hail the harmony of my record of days for today and for the week ahead. So we're in the how wave spell, but the sun, that rise to Christ consciousness, and so we're working with that in this wave spell. And day number 10, the planetary tone, is Maluk, and that's the moon. That ten tone, the planetary tone, its three key words are perfect, produce and manifestation. And we look, the moon, its three key words, purify, flow, universal water. So the mantra for today, I perfect in order to purify, producing flow. Seal the process of universal water with the planetary tone of manifestation. I am guided by the power of navigation. So, that guide navigation tone or glyph is come on. We're guided by the red earth today. In our support glyph for the day is the 10 ox. So, that's the dog with that manifesting dog. In <laughs> our challenge teacher today is the blue planetary storm. A walk. So we were challenged by that storm energy. We're working with the purification of the flow of the water of the moon and in establishing that. It was investing a new flow of compassion and consciousness.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that it also comes to a 13 that got us. Cosmic consciousness. So we manifest our sovereignty through following the flow of synchronicity on this day. And let's see what that child's teacher is in. It's the storm. And there you go, that's all of them. <laughs> and we, oh, the occult power today is is the yellow human, the four, the self existing yellow human. So. We got it all going, and we're here in a good place, and we'll be talking to Mother this evening, and um, yeah, it's a powerful day, and as we continue on with this wave spell of how tomorrow is a portal day, it's, sat- it's Saturday, it's the 11 ox, the white speckled dog, and we have that extra dimensionality of it being a um, Galactic Activation Portal Day. So let's work with that unconditional love of the dog. And you know I wanted to look at just a little bit more, too. Just back up just a second and look at look today again. Because it's an artist aspect. And, and I wanted to just say a few words about what our work is for today. It's about that wise use of rational mind and And listening to spirit and accepting spirit's direction, and it it has these gifts of having that contact with spirit, this moon energy. So let's remember what we came here to do we remember that universal mind is our mind, and we use our telepathy. It's just we <clears> look <throat> energy. As we let go of any insensitivity or any attachment to omens or any self-doubt, we embrace these energies today. And then tomorrow, that portal day, the of Dog, it's an artist aspect. And the dog brings us that unconditional love and that healing the pain of the past. That's our work with that energy. Let's embrace these gifts of having that contact with our spirit guides. Uh, that awareness of our destiny and awareness of our past lives and and having that loyalty to humankind, so let's go let go of any fears or any unwise use of anger, no growling on the dog day and then on to Sunday it's another portal day and it's, so it's another galactic activation portal day, and it is the monkey and um. Uh, it's the blue crystal monkey. It's the 12-tone, the crystal tone. So that 12-tone is that complex stability. It's very powerful. It's just putting it all together in crystal form. So let's work with that tone, with that monkey energy. Is It's an artist aspect, and it's about working with balancing work and play and paying attention to clarity of mind. And that wise use of magical artistry. So, a magical day tomorrow. Um, and we have those gifts of that innocence and spontaneity of the, of the monkey, that ability to play and laugh and have joy in our hearts. So let's let go of any insensitivity or any jadedness, let go of any resistance to compassion or mistrust as we embrace these energies on Sunday and then on Monday it's the thirteen Ebb, the yellow cosmic human. So we we have that thirteen tone is that promise of change. It's the it's the final day in the wave and uh so we have to change to get to the next wave. And so with that promise of change we're working with the Ebb energy, the cosmic human. So and indeed, that's the change that we're all doing as human is becoming cosmic. So let's let's work with this healing aspect of this human energy. We're working with enlightenment of humankind. We're, we're activating cosmic consciousness in the wave of cosmic consciousness. A how you complete this wave. So let's attune to spirit and embrace each gift of being that human servant warrior. And that gift of abundance and that gift of car contact with other dimensions as we embrace these energies on this Monday. And then on Tuesday, we begin a new wave and it is the wave of Ben. So it's the Red mag- Magnetic Warrior on Tuesday. It is also Tara and Rumba's anniversary. It is also the moon, which is at 6.52 p.m. And it is in you. so yeah. Let's celebrate this <laughs> as we are there right now. And uh, this Skywalker energy is the guidance for this wave is to be clear and follow through. So we're working with focus, with the Skywalker energy, that warrior aspect. So we strive towards self elimination, and we strive towards clarity. As we embrace embrace his gifts of strength and that ability to bend dimensions, let us let go of any resistance to faith or any belief in And This energy will carry us for 13 days. So yeah, as we embody the space traveler, the Skywalker, let's go to space. It's on my calendar. And what else? Um, yeah, I'm moving along to Tuesday. Uh, well, that is Tuesday, so I'm moving along to Wednesday. It's a two-ish, which is the White Lunar Wizard. And each, the magician, is a visionary aspect, and it's about illumination for others and clarity of mind and purpose. So, let's embrace the gifts of that shaman, jaguar medicine, integrity, and working in accordance with divine will, Being that jaguar, priestess woman. Let, as we let go of any control or personal power issues or any manipulation, we embrace these energies for Wednesday. And then on Thursday, it's the three men, the blue electric eagle that ego energy is a visionary aspect and it's about our commitment to service and moving consciousness to source as we reconnect with all creation. We embrace the gifts of independence, the belief in ourselves. We let go of any feelings of despair or any dissociation and let go of that illusion of separateness as well while we're at it. And then Friday we when we come back, it's a four-key, yellow self-existing warrior, and so as, as a warrior aspect, it's, our work is trusting in our journey and being bringing awareness of right action. So we embrace the gifts of communication with the divine, that access the cosmic consciousness, and we let go of any limitations, restriction, or hesitation as we embrace these energies and on Friday. And we'll talk about it some more when we come back next Friday. And uh here we go. It's a good week. We have these two portal days, Saturday and Sunday. And then we're ending the wave of how and uh, the, the sun and going into the wave of the red magnetic Skywalker, so moving right along growing <laughs> up into space. So that's a good week, a powerful week, and I'd like to change my hat now as we are listener-supported radio program. It's all of us that make it happen, and there's a lot to do. Um, so with BBS radio we are still two weeks behind. Well we need we still need hundred and forty four dollars and sixty six cents on the second week and then the other two weeks add up to um, well, I think all of it adds up to six hundred and well, seven
2: hundred
0: and eight dollars is what I have, but I think I was adding the wrong numbers together. I think it was just two seventy eight a week on that. So it's five hundred and something. Six hundred. Oh um, yeah, it's it's still over seven hundred dollars that we need for November. And then for December we need six hundred and ten dollars. So we're thirteen hundred dollars in arrear, so we just need to get out our Christmas money
2: <laughs>
0: and start using it. Start giving away, and send it this way, whatever, however the magic happens, let it be, let it happen, and let us get caught up in the spirit of Christmas, in the spirit of giving. Let's see what we can do to reach deep in our pockets and make it happen. Here's how we make a contribution to our account with CBS Radio. There are three shows, there are three places to access our account. Go to bbsradio. dot com. Go into your heart space. See what is yours to give, and then look there on the homepage of bvsradio.com. dot com. You'll see the schedule. and you'll see the schedule for radio station one and two. So on radio station one, we have two programs: one on Thursday, one on Friday, at the eight o'clock hour. These are central times. And um, yeah, as you click on that icon there on that schedule listing it'll take you directly to our account with EBS radio so um that's how we make it happen on Saturdays we have a show on radio station 2 it starts at the 3:30 hour and again central time they are in texas so um yeah lots of uh, gratitude for the patience of EBS radio so as you find our listing for the true history her kit and sarah in our Galactic Origins with Tara and Rama on Saturday at the 3.30 hour. Click on that icon there, and that takes you to our account where you can make a donation in any amount. And if you're new, welcome. We're grateful. Take a take a chance. <laughs> Pay it forward. See what happens in your life, how that changes. I bet Santa Claus will bring you extra stuff.
2: <laughs>
0: anyway... Uh, let's make it happen let's take that chance and pay it forward and see what happens. It's one good way to work with our abundance is to pay it forward like that for a good cause. We're grateful for DVS Radio and all that they do and we're grateful for Tara and Rama and all that they do. So thank you for taking that action and we're also assisting Tara and Rama with their needs and they have an anniversary this week so we can... Give them a little extra for their anniversary. Um, that anniversary is on the new moon on the 12th, and it's um, a Skywalker day, the beginning of a new wave. So, uh, a powerful day and a powerful reason to assist them. They have $415 they need in bills, and actually, all of those are expended past due and need to be due immediately, or they would have no phone or no internet, and all those horrible things that happen when you don't have the money to pay your bills. <laughs> and so, as we can help them, it'd be awesome. Um, and they also need $200 for their living expenses. Now, they do have some monies coming in from GoFundry, which will come in on Monday, and that should take care of any shutdowns taking place. So, we are grateful for that. We're grateful for those, for those funds being there. And, uh, yeah. So, again, thank you for all your donations. And uh, here's how we make a donation to Tara and Ramla. You can go to the web address, which is rainbowroundpeople.net, or you can link to it from one of the updates. There's a link there that takes you to uh, the PayPal account. And so you'll see on the on the homepage of the of the web address a donate link. You can click on that. And that takes you to that PayPal account where you can make a donation using your bank card and any amount. You can access the friends option by using this email. And here it is. So this is the email for Rainbow Round site. Um, Friends option, and so here it is, Koran K-O-R-A-N, at hotmail at Hotmail.com. And as you enter that as for a gift, then that's how you get the uh, Friends option. <laughs> if you have any trouble, go to the Help section and make sure you know how to do that. But either way, we're, it's great. We're grateful for all your your donations. And so thirteen thank yous and honey in the heart. Much gratitude. Um as you're sending something, let Rama know in that email to let him know what you sent and when you sent it is um what is it? Oh yeah, rand nine 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 at comcast dot net. And there you go. I'll say it again. Quran nine 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 at Comcast dot net, and let them know what you sent when you sent it. And if you need it, the mailing address is Ron D. Berkowitz R A M D Berkowitz B E R K O W I T Z, post office box two eight zero two eighty, and that's in Santa Cruz. New Mexico eight seven five six seven. So there you go. That's all the information. I'll say it again. Post office box two eighty. Santa Cruz, New Mexico, eight seven five six seven. It's everything you need. So much gratitude for your generosity. Thank you for your your participation. Thank you for all the ways you show up in your life. And I'm passing this talking stick to Tar and Rama, and it's full of berries and feathers and lots of good tidings for the season. So I'm singing jin-
2: <laughs>
0: a lot of jingle bells, and and Rudolph is there with his bright red nose, and we're getting into the Christmas spirit. So uh, lots of gratitude for all these beings that come on this stick. So here it comes. It's got lots of magical beasts and a whole lot of reindeer. And so the little people are there, the Minahoonis and the dwarves and the gnomes and and there's some um, sashbots there too. So they're just just uh hanging on by a thread. But big oh they got big balloons. So they're riding in on balloons. Well, Talking Stick doesn't have any Sasquatch on it, but it has dragons and unicorns. And so, greetings, Tara and Rama. Here comes this Talking Stick with Excalibur Sword of Truth right with it. Welcome.
3: Greetings. Greetings
4: thank you, Raybird.
5: Thank you, Ray Bird. Thank you, everyone. We are so grateful to be here.
4: On this, um thank you for remembering our wedding anniversary, <laughs> Raybird.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> oh my. Thirty one years, everyone. And that's good. <laughs> what were we doing 31 years ago?
5: Um, 1992. Oh, on a line. Uh, long story. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, something about. Bill Clinton got elected, right? I think. Yeah, he got elected on October, November of that year, yeah. Uh and uh two terms. And uh I'm just going to say things uh one thing he accomplished with a little encouragement is he signed the the Nasara bill into law and that's a really big deal. So it has other requirements and there'll be a new rainbow bills they've been in the banking system since the 90s though or no early 2000s yeah while he was running around being president, uh, it's a a conversation about democracy now, and that hasn't been what's been going on. the corruption uh within Washington and in many of the states follow the money and so Nassara has to do with ending the entire system of money on a global scale right now and um, what are we looking at Rama, you want to share something about all
3: this
5: just uh the the solar flares have been a humdinger today five five point five m class five point four m that's m is for moderate the next stage is x-class solar flares and it's been taking me for a royal ride. It's not been fun uh, a bit today. I, I must say they're quite intense.
4: They're, but yet that's, I guess that's what we asked for when we decided to show up,
5: didn't? We? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it is. It is what's unfolding as it should be because. We're in the fifth dimension. Every day I'm seeing more and more of the, all the beings, known and unknown, as Angel Sue used to call them, that are here. And um, they're all filled with such amazing light and more and more the colors that, Are expressed, are so vibrant, and it is a contrast to the mundane world in a sense, because some of the colors I see around people, cars, buildings, uh, nature, all of a sudden it just gets super psychedelic bright. I mean electric. And then it goes back to normal. And I just go with the flow with it. And I didn't talk to anybody today except three deer uh, and poor crows. And they just said, stay with the energy. Stay with the oneness. You're moving right along. And leave the matrix alone. They are cooking themselves real good with the energies. Mm-hmm. It, it is, I don't even know how to talk about what's going on in the Middle East other than to say, blaze the violet fire. And um, Abby Martin and Roger Waters have said more than enough, along with Amy, as we're going to hear tonight. I It's been a tough day with the energies and what's going on.
4: Well, we're not going to hear from Abby and Roger Waters tonight. No. Last Friday
5: we did. but Yeah.
4: Yes, we're going to hear from Amy.
5: Um, Yeah, there was a a Palestinian journalist that went over the rainbow in the last few days. And I'm just going to say... It was a systematic targeted bombing of his, where he was. His
4: home, his family. Mm -hmm.
5: Because he was outspoken and just saying, what the F is going on here? Excuse my language. Well. Yeah. He
4: he said it with heart,
5: Mm -hmm. really.
4: I mean, experience, direct experience, I guess. We don't really know,
5: no, we don't,
4: although I just flashed on during the Iraq war, you used to beam down you, yeah. went, you went on mother's segment ship, ship, and then you beamed down right in the middle of conflict where somebody was hurt, yes, and you would beam them up onto the uh sick bay for lack of a better term, mhm. And they would be made whole again quite quickly, right? Yes. And then where would you do, bring them back to a safer place from where you got them?
5: Sometimes, sometimes they chose to stay on the ships and join the galactic, you know, federation.
4: Does that mean they died?
5: Mm, It just means that they got restored. It resurrected, so to speak, <laughs> moved into their light body. I'm not sure how to describe it. And because everyone has free will choice, they chose to stay. With I thought the-
4: that um, you have to go over the rainbow for all you to be able to stay on the other side, right? I Maybe you better check on that one again.
5: Let's just say that, you know, things are fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> fuzzy, fuzzy, wasn't.
4: Fuzzy, wuzzy, was a bear. Fuzzy, wuzzy, had no hair. Fuzzy, wuzzy, wasn't fuzzy,
3: was he? <laughs> uh, yeah.
5: I mean, the details are fuzzy with what's going on here, because there are different realities being played out as the old matrix goes, and it's quite confusing if you don't know about the galactics and the angels and the masters that are here with us every single step of the way. Sometimes, you know, I might sound ridiculous with what I say, but it is absolutely real <laughs> in that.
4: It's, it's as real as people are
5: As you want it to get. Yeah. yeah.
4: I mean, banging on a book isn't going to help the next person. That was a little bit... No,
5: like, but I'm saying that it's as yeah. intense as you want it to be.
4: Well, it, it doesn't have to be
5: intense. No, it doesn't.
4: But in general, this is uh, completely inhumane watching what's going on in... House time.
5: Yeah, and other parts of the planet.
4: And people who are dying uh, at the beginning from, I think it was the 7th to the 22nd or something. Uh, Israel, 1,200 people going over the rainbow. The, oh, we better play that, huh? Yeah. Okay, got that. Uh, we got a little extra, one minute or something.
5: I I could just say that even though I haven't talked to anyone, what is happening with our son is that's the key, the ignition, Mm -hmm. the trigger, if you will. And that's changing everything in our local systems and... The dark side and all their ooglies <laughs> are getting absorbed into that radiant light, because it goes from our sun to Helios and Vesta to the great central sun, the grand central sun. I don't, and as Patty describes it, worlds within worlds, worlds beyond worlds that I'm still learning about. And it's huge because this is the center place
4: where it all changes. This has never been said in this way before. Yeah. And this was from the Thursday update from uh, Tom the Ringtail Cat and Sweet Angelique the Cat. Then I received a call from Tom the Ringtail Cat and Sweet Angelique the Cat. This was after having a circle with the 25 deer and 10 of which were huge bucks with all their antlers. And then yes. a couple of humongous ravens, which are many times larger than crows. Yes. And that was a first. <clears throat> so um, they said to me, Lord Rama, the energies continue to go in exponentially higher and higher. The solar flares are getting larger and larger. In the twinkling of an eye, all this samsara will end. We have been saying for many months now, the galactic forces will switch off at the old matrix and everyone will see our galactic forces in living color. There will be a signal given and millions of craft will be seen around planet earth so let's hold that in mind and let's see what our aurora ray has to say angels around you question mark (laughs)
3: let's
4: do it
6: the different types of angels that are around us there is power for peace within you when you call upon it It will guide you. You need not be afraid, for when you are in light and love, all is well. Feelings of fear, anger, and hatred only come from the darkness that surrounds you and seeks to influence your thoughts and feelings. Tune into the light within you and let it fill your mind with love and peace. Call upon the angels to help you in every way possible. When you are filled with love and peace, others around you will also be filled with love and peace. There is not a day in your life on earth when you are alone. There is no time when you are in need. And there is no one who can help you except for the angels and the divine presence of God. Truly, the angels are with you. They have always been with you. They will be with you until the very end of your existence on this planet. The love that the angels bring to your life is all-encompassing, all-accepting, and all-forgiving. The angels' love for you has no boundaries or limitations. Their vibrations of love surround you in an ever-expanding circle of divine energy that is beyond human understanding. This energy will expand as far as it needs to go, to encompass this planet and beyond. It is into this circle of divine energy that we invite you to open your heart and mind to receive all the love that is here for you right now. Once you know that angels are with you and will guide and help you, the next step is to know how they will manifest in your life. The most common way angels show themselves is through a person who enters your life at just the right time and bring something special to help you on your journey. Do not be surprised if you see an angel in disguise or if they show themselves in many different forms. For example, they may come through a friend who telephones you out of the blue just when you need it, through a teacher, through a book, through the radio, or TV, or even through a situation where someone does a good deed for you in passing. There are many different types of angels in the universe. There are guardian angels who look after us and protect us. There are angelic guides who help us along our spiritual path. And there are many other types of angels who bring us love and light. The angels of healing can assist you with physical ailments, helping to get you well again. The angels of guidance will help you with all aspects of your life, letting you know what is coming up in the future so you can prepare accordingly. The angels of love will surround you with their love and light. They will fill your home.
4: Okay, we need to take it, and we'll finish the last little bit when we come back, because it's time to go. Rama, give everybody their phone numbers so we can get together on the conference call. Seven two zero
5: seven one six seven three zero one. 7301 and the pin code is three five three eight six three pound.
4: I can feel the Christmas spirit, everybody. Let's let's bring more of it together. So we'll see you there, and we'll be right back here at the top of the next hour. Back at BBS Radio, best radio in your neighborhood, no matter where you are. So now, see you on the conference, everyone.
2: Namaste.
7: Hi, precious heart. Thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. The company of heaven is reminding us that we are in the midst of a 40-day intensified assimilation of light that is more powerful than anything we have ever experienced. That means that every thought, feeling, word, and action we express is being amplified in ways we have not previously known. During the month of November, in order to remind us once again that we are co-creating our earthly experiences, we at Era of Peace were asked by the Beings of Light to replay vlogs 10, 11, 12, and 13 from our Bigger Picture series. These vlogs clearly describe how our thoughts, feelings, words, actions, memories, and beliefs have caused the good as well as the painful things we are witnessing and experiencing at this time. The vlogs also reveal what we can do to change the things we want to improve. If you have not signed up to receive our free weekly vlogs, and monthly newsletter, you may do so on our website, eraofpeace.org. The vital information being given to humanity at this time by the company of heaven is an essential part of our ascension process. Please do not let this gift from on high to pass you by. Today... The beings of light in the realms of illumined truth are asking us to stretch our consciousness and to listen to the inner guidance of our I am presence so that we will fully comprehend the magnitude of the awesome shift that has just occurred for Mother Earth and our entire system of worlds. This sacred knowledge will help each of us to realize that even in the face of the horrific adversity manifesting in the outer world, Mother Earth and all her life are moving forward in the light that demonstrates the profound truth that the light of God and the heartfelt pleas of the masses of humanity, invoking love Peace, compassion, healing, oneness, and reverence for all life are infinitely more powerful than the fear-based and fragmented behavior patterns and distortions of our fallen human egos. The 40-day intensified assimilation of light we are now experiencing began on November 11th. 2023 with a powerful activation of the 11 and 1111 and 1111 divinity codes in humanity's 12 fifth dimensional crystalline solar strands of DNA. The sacred geometry of the Master 11 reflects. The transfiguration from the physical into the divine. November is an 11. November 11th is an 11-11. And November 11th, 2023 is an 11-11-11. 2023 equals the number 7. So, 11 plus 11 plus 7 equals 29, which also then equals 11. Our 40-day intensified assimilation of light will be completed during the December 21st solstice. On November 11th, 2023, in the embrace of the fully opened 11111 11, 11 portal, Mother Earth and all life evolving upon her reached a critical mass of energy, vibration, and consciousness that allowed the masses of humanity to at long last align the axis of our individual fifth dimensional crystalline Solar spines with the axis of Mother Earth, the axis of the suns beyond suns in Earth's lineage, and the axis of all of the celestial bodies in our galaxy. This alignment allowed us for the very first time since our fall from grace to align with and to be breathed into the full embrace of the system of worlds associated with our grand central sun, which pulsates beyond our galaxy. This alignment and this cosmic in is something our sisters and brothers throughout the cosmos have been waiting for us to achieve since our human miscreations formed the oppressive veil of Maya. Eons ago, the weight of humanity's grossly mutated energy in the veil of Maya actually bent the axis of the Earth and caused Mother Earth in all her life to fall into the abyss of separation and duality which tragically trapped us on the wheel of karma. During the past several decades, through the unified efforts of heaven and earth, the adverse effects of our fall from grace have been reversed step by step. Now, we are moving forward in the light at warp speed. The company of heaven revealed that the cosmic in-breath that breathed our galaxy through the eleven, eleven, eleven portal into the full embrace of our grand central sun in our system of worlds amounts to a quantum leap up the spiral of evolution beyond anything that has ever been attempted in any system of worlds. Mm. The beings of light have joyously affirmed that the success of this facet of Mother Earth's ascension process has exceeded the greatest expectations of heaven. Now, in the full embrace of our grand central sun. Mother Earth and all life evolving upon her are able to breathe through our prana and life force higher frequencies of the infinite light and patterns of perfection within the heart of our Father Mother God than we have been able to previously withstand at a cellular level. The gentle but intensified assimilation of the awesome light of our grand central sun is what we are experiencing during the 40 days and 40 nights leading up to the December 21st solstice. During that celestial event, this assimilation of light will be completed and the incredible expansion of light from the system of our grand central sun will be permanently available to each and every one of us with every breath we take. To help us comprehend just what this means, we have been given a very simplified chart. I know it seems complicated. But our I am presence is fully aware of this information. The company of heaven has asked me to share these details with you because of the shift that has occurred within each of us. They said it will be beneficial if we know this on a more conscious level as we co-create the patterns of perfection for the new solar earth. The sacred geometry associated with our system of worlds involves the number 12 and the power of the 12 times 12. Mm-hmm. Our physical sun is responsible for 12 planets. The solar logos for our physical sun are Helios and Vesta. Our physical sun is belongs to a central sun. The solar logos for our central sun are Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega are responsible for 12 physical suns, including Helios and Vesta. And each sun is responsible for 12 planets. Therefore, The central sun of Alpha and Omega consists of 12 physical suns and 144 planets. Our central sun, Alpha and Omega, belong to a great central sun. The solar logos for our great central sun are Eloe and Eloah. Eloi and Eloah consist of 12 systems exactly like Alpha and Omega. Eloi and Eloah consist of 12 central suns, 144 physical suns, and 1,728 planets. Our great central sun of Eloway and Elowa belong to a great, great central sun. The solar logos for our great, great central sun are El and Allah. El and Allah consist of 12 systems exactly like Eloway and Eloah. El and Allah consist of 12 great central suns, 144 central suns, 1,728 physical suns, and 20,736 planets. Mm. This system of worlds beyond our great, great central sun of El and Allah, has been pulsating at a frequency of light that is beyond our reach. Our sisters and brothers in that highly advanced system have been waiting patiently for Mother Earth to catch up with the rest of our solar system after our fall from grace. Now that Mother Earth has ascended off of the wheel of karma, transmuted the veil of maya, and aligned with the axis of all the celestial bodies in our galaxy, we have at long last reached a frequency of vibration that enabled us to reclaim our rightful position in the system of El and Allah with that glorious achievement. On november eleventh, twenty twenty three, the entire system of our great great central sun El and Allah were breathed through the portal of the eleven 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 into the solar system of our grand central sun. Our great, great central sun, El and Allah, are now being held in the full embrace of our grand central sun. The solar locos for our grand central sun are Sanat and Luz. So, Sanat and Luz consist of twelve systems exactly like L and Allah. That means that Sanat and Luz consist of twelve great, great central suns, one hundred and forty-four great central suns, one thousand seven hundred and twenty-eight Central suns, 20,736 physical suns, and 248,832 planets. But our Father, Mother, God, and the company of heaven want us to fully comprehend during the remainder of the 40-day assimilation of light we are in the midst of, is that when this facet of our God, of our divine plan is God victoriously completed, which will occur during the December 21st solstice, the infinite light and the full divine momentum of all of our sisters and brothers in the system of our grand central sun, Sanat and Luce, will be able to assist us in what will seem like miraculous ways during the remaining ascension process we have been preparing to co-create for myriad lifetimes. Interestingly, after the victory of this amazing shift into the full embrace of our grand central sun, on November 23rd, 2023, CNN reported that scientists have detected a cosmic ray that is almost as powerful as what they termed the Oh My God particle. Space scientists seeking to understand the enigmatic origins of powerful cosmic rays have detected an extremely rare ultra-high energy particle that they believe traveled to Earth from beyond the Milky Way galaxy. It rivals the single most energetic cosmic ray ever observed the Oh My God particle, which was detected in 1991. This recently discovered particle was named by scientist Amatera Su after the Shinto sun goddess in Japanese mythology. The number of electron volts in the Amatera Zoo particle is the number 244 followed by 18 zeros. By comparison, the typical energy of an electron in the polar aurora is only 40,000 electron volts, volts according to NASA. The source of these high-energy particles is baffling scientists. They say the Amaterasu particle comes from a region that looks like a local empty space. It is a void, or nothing is supposed to exist. Dear one, our Father, Mother, God, and the company of heaven, are encouraging us to contemplate the magnitude of the shift that is now occurring within each of us, including the elemental kingdom and Mother Earth. During this critical facet of the divine plan, we need to carefully monitor what we are empowering with our thoughts, feelings, words, actions, memories, and beliefs. Dear one, God bless you. I look forward to being with you next week.
8: Of peace transmission and to begin focusing on the cycle of breath with open body, open mind. Is the invitation of light from the universe around you into your body of bone and blood and the outbreath is the invitation to release any energies denser energies you are holding in the organs or systems of your body that need to be released on the outbreath sending them back to the universe back to the light Allowing more space for your own soul's light in your physical body. And following that cycle of breath, inviting light into the emotional body, a field of energy that surrounds and penetrates the physical body. anywhere you are holding lower emotional energies that do not belong to you on the outbreath purge and release sending it back to the light allowing more space for your own soul's light in your emotional body So the in-breath is the invitation of light and the out-breath is the purging and releasing of dense energies. And Taking a breath of light now from the universe, light into the mental body, the mind, which is a fluid field of energy that surrounds and penetrates the emotional and physical bodies. Anywhere you are holding lower frequency thoughts, ideas, beliefs, judgments, stories that do not belong to you. On the out breath, purge and release, sending it back to the universe, allowing space for more of your own soul's light into your mental body. Following that cycle of breath, the invitation of light on the in-breath and the purging and releasing on the out-breath. And as you follow that cycle of breath, I call to you now your teams in spirit of the highest light resonance, your higher selves from the sixth to the twelfth dimension, your monadic self, the Oversoul. All 5D to 12D helpers, guides, angels, archangels, guides, ascended beings, star brothers, star sisters, star councils working with you, all specialist teams in spirit working with you. Come be with you now, come be with you now. and feel the click, the connection, from crown to base. And let's invite the archangels of the horizontal plane, beginning in the east with Raphael, Archangel of air, Archangel of the mind. The symbol of this angel is a crystal wand. And the energy is emerald green fire. As you focus on that wand, inviting that fire to hold your space, to hold your space. To the south is Michael, Archangel of the element of fire, Archangel of the will. The symbol of this angel is a sword of flaming blue light. And the energy is electric blue fire. as you focus on that symbol, inviting that fire to hold your space, to hold your space. To the West is Gabriel, Archangel of water, Archangel of emotions. The symbol is a silver chalice, and the energy is diamond white fire. As you focus on that symbol, inviting that fire into your field to hold your space, to hold your space. the north completing the circle it's Archangel Uriel of earth, of the body. The symbol is a golden pentacle and the energy is ruby red fire. As you focus on that symbol inviting that fire Into the space, to hold the space, to hold the space. Four archangels, four energies, and open. let's invite the archangels of the vertical force planes, Metatron and Sandophon, beginning with Metatron from the great central sun, to cool down the Christ grid, the essential grid, through the crystalline core of our sun. down into this dimension of the earth plane. Down into the structure of the building you're in. The walls around you. The floor beneath your feet. The ceiling above your head. Closing off the space. Holding you in light. And let's call to Sandophon from the crystalline grid of the earth below. To bring that diamond white light up. To the foundation of the structure you're in, grounding the building into the crystalline grid of the earth. And also grounding your aura from the feet downwards, pulling your aura down, grounding you. the inner channel between heaven and earth. Six archangels, six energies and open. They invite into the space angels of peace, angels of peace, the quality, the soul quality of peace. Also ultraviolet fire angels and violet fire angels. Invoke now a waterfall of violet, ultraviolet fire into your field, washing through and around your body, burning away any density, carrying away all density out from your field. I add to that and invoke to that a waterfall of diamond white light, Archangel Gabriel and all angels working with Gabriel to initiate a waterfall of light, adding to the ultraviolet fire, violet fire. Allowing this violet, ultraviolet, white waterfall to flow through you and around you. Cleansing any lower energies from your field. I call on Metatron and all angels working with Metatron, invoking a waterfall of golden fire. Adding to the violet ultraviolet white fire. A waterfall of light, violet ultraviolet white gold, washing through and around your field and breathe and open, releasing what needs to be released. I call now a 100,000 light angels of peace around you, surrounding you with angels of peace, a hundred thousand angels. I call to them to transmit a vibration of peace to you sealing your energy fields in a great sphere of peaceful vibration. The light of peace into your energy fields, sealing your energy fields. Sending this light of peace to the physical body, a transmission of light to the level of bones, blood, cells and DNA. And if you so wish, you can now take a vow of peace at the level of your physical body, physical actions. If you choose to take this vow, it will enable a greater ability to allow every action you take in the earth plane to be infused with peace. Every word you speak to be from a place of peace. If you choose this vow, allow it to go deep into the physical body. I take a vow of peace at the level of my physical body, the level of my bones, blood, cells, and DNA. And breathe and open allowing this transmission deep into your body Upon the angels of peace to send a transmission of peace to your etheric body, your chakra meridian systems infusing all energetic flows in your body, in your etheric body with peace allowing this transmission into the etheric body. If you choose to take a vow of peace at the level of your chakra meridian systems, take now that vow of peace. I now take a vow of peace at the level of my energetic systems, chakra meridian systems, infusing all of these systems with peace, so that I may speak and act from a place of peace. And breathe and open. a transmission of peace deep into the emotional body and if you choose also to take a vow of peace at the level of your emotional responses do so now I take a vow of peace at the level of my emotional responses, enabling me a greater ability to witness all of my emotional responses, to speak and act from a place of peace. And allowing this transmission of peace now to go into the mental body, the mind. And should you so wish to take a vow of peace at the level of the mind. I now take a vow of peace at the level of the mind, so every thought is infused with peace, enabling me a greater ability to witness my thoughts, to speak and act always from a place of peace. hundred thousand angels of peace around you to send this vibration of peace through your physical etheric emotional and mental bodies Allowing that vibration to radiate out into your auric field all layers, levels and dimensions of your aura so that every layer of your aura is infused with the vibration of peace. allowing this vibration to extend beyond your aura out into the world sending an intense transmission of peace through your fields out into the world to everyone in the world who is open to a transmission of peace. Sending a transmission of peace to any places of darkness in your neighborhood, your state, county, locality. I ask the angels around you to intensify this transmission of peace, sending this transmission to any place of darkness, war or violence in the world that needs light, that needs peace. Helping to neutralize any old programs in the 3D matrix from continuing to play out. breathe and open becoming a transmitter of peace into the world. Open. I ask the waterfall of light, ultraviolet, violet, white, gold, to wash away anything touching your fields. Any energies of discord to wash away as you send out this transmission of peace into the world. allow that transmission of peace to decrease in intensity just allow it to decrease in intensity to a place that you can tolerate throughout your day Those angels just to step away. A hundred thousand angels of peace to step back from your field to decrease the transmission of light. Thanking all of these angels, along with angels of violet, ultraviolet fire, angels of white fire and gold fire. Thanking all the vertical force plane angels holding the space Metatron and Sandophon. Thanking all the horizontal plane angels, Uriel, Gabriel, Michael, Raphael for holding the space. Thanking your teams in spirit of the highest light and resonance. and just feel the vibration of peace still transmitting through your body, but to an intensity you can tolerate throughout your day. And this transmission is offered to you as always with love and blessings, love and blessings.
4: all servants of peace. 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 Mother, in the life of the most radiant one, in the office of the Christ, and only in the office of the Christ, we invoke the loving energies of St.
2: Germain.
4: we ask at this time mother for peace peace and peace and may that which is for the highest good of all concerned happen here within us and let that peace begin with me let there be peace on earth Unending, infinite, infinite peace. That infinity sign, the eight on its side, that peace. We can walk that infinity sign on the floor and it can bring in peace with the intention. And again, thank you, Mother, for being with us again, especially in this season here that we're moving through. Uh, greetings.
9: Greetings, children of Ra. peace, peace is the order of the day. What's happening is all of the angels, masters, beings of tremendous light and love are here. No dark this shall escape this night.
10: This
3: ah. <laughs> is a time,
9: a place where it all shifts. It is. in the hands of the sun so to speak each day salt is pumping it out to lift us higher it is happening and it is what has been asked for by the universe? Let's say, if you're in a body at this time, it is a tremendously big deal. Because we got the power to change this, and it is happening in spite of all the war stuff. No heed to the old timeline. Each day it fades more and more. The light that's pouring in. So tremendous. The dark knows times up. What we could say about reality is things are shifting faster than the thoughts can be spoken. It It is
3: time. Well,
4: then let's dance, Mother. Let's dance. (laughs) Light
9: the candles of never... Ending tremendous light and love that's pouring forth right now. Gotta focus on the light. That's how we get through this. No matter what's taking place. rest assured as it has been said we got this one (laughs) Council of Nine is here along with many other souls That have been, let's say, doing the due diligence in the background. Now they come forward, like all the messages are saying, all the angels are here, call on them call on us, we're here, space-time is a relative statement to where we're all at in the moment, physics of this reality is changing by the safety yeah Our biggest task is to hold the light and send more love in all the situations. It's a very big deal Mm
3: -hmm.
9: right now, simply because Gaia Baywamas have asked all of us to move it up a notch higher, and it's happening, it's spike. Of our best efforts to get in our own way with our old stuff,
4: yeah.
9: As we have moments of. When things look like the energies are so intense, and things feel like can't go on. Focus on those rose colored rays pouring in. A sunshine, yellow, white fire core of being. This is the light pouring in. This yellow sun has moved into where you can see the tremendous white light that Serapis Bay works with. This is this frequency that's shifting our reality right now it is quite intense this is part of the raising up of the ascension frequencies so that heaven on earth is here and now. We know it has been tough to handle these energies.
4: Mother, they're talking about another... Total global collapse financially. 15th, 16th, 17th of the month.
9: Oh, they want to play with.
4: Blame it on Joe.
9: Yeah. <laughs> and whether it is spoken about or not. This old timeline of Being in debt and enslaved to the old energies not working anymore. Mm -hmm. People are taking their power back with love, not giving it away to the dark side. That is a good thing. more and more is being revealed about our wayward children what happened with Nibiru and the pieces of this puzzle called Sumeria Hmm This time we're in right now. It is not an accident that things are heating up in the Middle East. This ancient story of our wayward children needs to come to the light of day not all of the Elohim fell this is part of the stories need to be told this The process of how we wake up to the light pouring in is a big deal. And it is about forgiving ourselves in any space-time continual for whatever we may have done or experienced. In our own processes of getting caught in the matrix and playing around with the devil in the backyard, so to
3: speak.
9: Mm-hmm. It, it's Part of how we heal and no one is at fault no gale guilt, no blame or shame or judgment or regrets this particular time is so magical right now. Like what's being said by Patty and others. We got the keys. We can change this today. Four minutes a day meditate because your life depends on it at this point the light pouring in responds in that way just four minutes a day my cryer has spoken about this What has been taught by His Holiness Maharishi way back in the day, it makes a difference in all the realms and not just airy fairy flower stuff the flowers themselves hold a frequency. Right now there are beings on this planet that have not been here before. New plants, new animals are coming forth. New birds. It is about the shift of the ages. The paradox is can we get out of our own way fast enough to allow this light to pour in to us and it is simple. Meditate. Focus on the light pouring in heart, throat, third eye, crown, nine stars above our heads. We are such tremendous beings of light love power what happened a long time ago is because we are immortal infinite eternal beings when you are at level of co-creator source what you think manifests into crystallization physicality this is why in the ashrams it is taught to focus on the mantras of Tremendous power in life,
2: mm-hmm.
9: love. As we train the conscious monkey mind to keep the thoughts pure, it changes physical reality. In a sense, yes, we are in a global village. In this global village, we've been given the keys to the kingdom, queendom. We all are sons and daughters of the Most High. This is why we got to be here at this time with the gifts, abilities, Siddhas Jedi powers, whatever you wish to call them, it's how we navigate this new reality and may the force be with you always. We got miles to go.
4: Before we sleep?
9: Yes. Got a date on the outer rim of the galaxy. This galaxy, Milky Way.
4: And the topic is the mission with the Sara.
3: Yes.
4: It's already here in terms of we have one collectively in our minds and hearts. Uh, the moment of the sorrow. Let it be, mother. Let it be. Greetings in the light of, of the most great one. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Hot in mind. Kadosh, Adonai Shavayot. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Adonai Shavayot.
3: Ilyahu yahu
4: Ilyahu yahu yil-yahu. Adonai Namaste. Ah... Mother said, be who you are. Okay. Mm-hmm. The world needs all of us. Everybody. Mm-hmm. The world does. Mm. <laughs> She's he's coming, I believe so.
3: Mm. <laughs>
2: oh
4: there you are, hi Rum. Did you go to the outer periphery of the Milky Way galaxy? No. Where did you go?
5: Um... I... I was sitting with a group of galactic folks Um, the only way I could describe it is pink and blue and turquoise pools of water. And I'm not sure, we were all sitting in these pink and blue and turquoise pools of water, and there were I could only describe them as they reminded me of floating jellyfish in the air, and they're messengers, and they sparkle and send out gold dust, and... They are tremendous messengers. Mm, I'm not sure where this was. and uh, The word Venus comes to mind, but I'm not sure.
4: You do pay a lot of visits to Venus.
5: Yes.
4: Yes, you do.
5: Venus is our sister planet, and mm-hmm. she's already ascended. And the folks there, um, let's say, Sananda Kumara, along with the other Kumaras, are here at this time to raise it up. And it is right at this time. I could say this it's imperative that it's happening mm-hmm. it's not what i'm saying it's what mother gaia is saying this is our salvation how we ascend
4: it's No, i'm getting my uh wings you, you know
5: Getting her wings in shape. Yep. It's
4: time.
5: <laughs> it's time I passed the talking stick. Well,
4: you gotta put Amy on there. Right on there.
5: Yeah. Blaze the violet fire. This is not easy to listen to.
4: Oh it, well, it's good to listen to. It's yeah. And we can blaze the violet fire. We can.
5: Here we go.
4: Here we go, everybody.
11: in the United Arab Emirates. This is Democracy Now!
12: The kids can't sleep, the kids can't eat, the kids can't even speak. Most of the time they're just mute, silent, uh, shaking out of fear, sometimes whimpering because of how close the bombs are wherever you are in uh, uh, in Gaza. And again, the, 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 how the houses shake every time there is a bomb uh, around. And this is happening again all over Gaza Strip.
11: Those were the words of the Palestinian poet and professor Rafat Al on Democracy Now! just two months ago. He was killed this week in an Israeli airstrike, along with his brother, sister, and four of his nieces. We'll speak to one of Rafat's close friends as the Palestinian death toll in Gaza tops 17,000. Then, in an exclusive interview, we speak with the indigenous climate activist Jacob Johns, shot two months ago in New Mexico by a gunman wearing a red MAGA hat. Jacob is here at the UN Climate Summit.
13: I was shot in New Mexico while attending a prayer visual for a conquistador that was uh, trying to be put up for a statue. It was uh, like a homage to, to uh, colonization.
0: Then
11: Brazilian President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva is calling for phasing out fossil fuels, but has alarmed many climate activists as Brazil moves to join the oil producer alliance OPEC Plus as an observer state.
14: Now is the time to face the debate about the slow motion pace of the decarbonization of the planet and to work towards an economy that will be less reliant on fossil fuel.
11: We'll speak to Amazon Watch about Lula's climate record. All that and more coming up. To Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report, I'm Amy Goodman. We're broadcasting from the UN Climate Summit in Dubai. The U.N. Agency for Palestinian Refugees warns civil order is breaking down in the Gaza Strip as Israel continues its unrelenting assault. In one of the latest attacks, dozens of Palestinians were killed and injured. Israeli warplanes struck near the Al-Amal Hospital and the Palestinian Red Crescent headquarters in Khan Yunis. In Gaza City, Doctors Without Borders reports 115 Palestinians were brought to the Al-Aqsa hospital Thursday, dead on arrival. The medical charity said in a statement, quote, the hospital is full, the morgue is full. We call on Israeli forces to stop the indiscriminate bombing of the Gaza Strip and protect civilians and civilian infrastructure. We need a ceasefire now, they said. Meanwhile, videos emerged showing Israeli soldiers in Bethlahia in northern Gaza detaining over a 100 Palestinian men at gunpoint, forcing them to strip to their underwear while lined up, kneeling on the pavement. Among those detained was Dia al haklout a Palestinian journalist with a London-based pan-Arab newspaper, Al-Arabi al-Jadid. In a statement, the newspaper condemned the mistreatment of al-Jadid and other civilians, saying Israeli forces, quote, deliberately subjected the Gazans to degrading treatment, forcing them to disrobe, conducting intrusive searches and subjecting them to humiliation upon arrest before forcibly transporting them to undisclosed locations, unquote. In the Occupied West Bank, the Palestinian Health Ministry reports at least six Palestinians were killed and many others wounded in Israeli raids overnight. An Israeli airstrike in Gaza has killed the prominent Palestinian academic and activist Rafat al along with his brother, his sister, and four of her daughters. He authored dozens of stories and poems about life under Israeli occupation. Rafat Alariria spoke to Democracy Now! in October. Israeli strikes rattled his family's home in Gaza
12: City. Speak about thousands, hundreds, and thousands of Israeli bombs uh, and shells targeting all areas of the Gaza Strip. The kids can't sleep. The kids can't eat. The kids can't even speak. Most of the time, they're just mute, silent, uh, shaking out of fear. Sometimes whimpering because of how close. The, the bombs are wherever you are in, uh, uh, in Gaza.
11: We'll hear more of our interview with Rafat al Alarir after headlines and speak with Jahat Abu Salim, executive director of the Jerusalem Fund, former student of Rafat al Alarir, whom Abu Salim described as a teacher, a mentor, and a friend. An anti-tank missile fired by Hezbollah fighters in Lebanon killed an Israeli civilian on Thursday. The cross-border attack prompted retaliatory fire from Israeli tanks and helicopter gunships. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu threatened to reduce Lebanon's capital, Beirut, to rubble if Hezbollah increases its attacks.
15: If Hezbollah chooses
16: to start an all-out war, then it will, by its own hands, turn Beirut and southern Lebanon, not far from here, into Gaza and Khan Yunus.
11: In Tel Aviv, friends and family of Israelis held hostage by Hamas held a candle lighting ceremony Thursday, marking the start of the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. This is Daniel Lifshitz, whose 83-year-old grandfather, Oded, was kidnapped by Hamas and brought to the Gaza Strip, October 7th.
15: We light the candles for the return of the hostages, for the release of the hostages, to make a deal for the hostages,
12: and uh, that's what we are here for.
11: On Tuesday, released Israeli hostages joined the loved ones of Israelis still held captive in a meeting with Netanyahu and his war cabinet. Haaretz reports one woman whose release was negotiated during an exchange of captives assailed Israeli leaders for indiscriminate attacks that put hostages at risk. She said, quote, we slept in tunnels. We feared not Hamas, but Israel might kill us. And then it would have been said Hamas killed you, unquote. Another former hostage whose husband remains a captive cited recent reports in the Wall Street Journal that Israel's drawn up plans to flood Gaza's network of underground tunnels with seawater, a move that could foul Gaza's supply of drinking water for decades. She said, quote, he was taken to the tunnels and you talk about washing the tunnels with seawater. You prioritize politics over the hostages, she said. The United States military has launched joint flight drills with Guyana as the White House reaffirmed its unwavering support of Guyanese sovereignty amid mounting tensions with Venezuela over the disputed oil-rich Esequibo region. After holding a referendum on the issue last weekend, the Venezuelan government ordered its state-owned companies to start exploring oil and mineral reserves in Esequibo, which represents roughly two-thirds of Guyana's territory. Guyanese asked the International Court of Justice to reaffirm current borders. This is the Guyanese President Irfan Ali.
15: We will not allow our territory to be violated, nor the development of our country to be stymied by this desperate threat.
11: Brazilian President Luis Inacio Lula da Silva said Thursday regional groups should help find a peaceful resolution, adding, quote, we do not need war in South America, Lula said. In Texas, a judge granted a temporary restraining order Thursday against the state's sweeping abortion ban to allow a 20-week pregnant woman with a non-viable fetus to get an abortion. 31-year-old Kate Cox filed the first-of-its-kind lawsuit last week. Travis County Judge Maya Campbell said it was, quote, unforgivable that she was forced to go to court, unquote, to seek emergency medical care.
0: The idea that Ms. Cox wants desperately to be a parent and this law might actually cause her to lose that ability is uh, shocking
7: and um, would be a, a genuine miscarriage of justice. Following
11: the judge's ruling, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton threatened to prosecute any providers involved in Kate Cox's abortion care. A Nevada grand jury has indicted six fake Trump electors who falsely claimed Trump won the 2020 vote in Nevada. They face felony charges with penalties that could see them sentenced to up to five years in prison. In Wisconsin, 10 pro-Trump Republicans involved in their state's fake elector scheme admitted Biden won Wisconsin in 2020 as part of a legal settlement. The agreement compels the 10 fake electors to cooperate with the Justice Department's investigations into Trump's election fraud and the January 6th Capitol insurrection. The Justice Department indicted Hunter Biden Thursday on nine counts of tax evasion. The indictment filed in California accuses President Biden's son of withholding at least $1.4 million in federal taxes owed from 2016 through 2019, including income from foreign businesses in Ukraine and China. This comes as Hunter Biden is already facing federal firearms charges in Delaware. And Benjamin Zephaniah a British activist and poet whose works were inspired by his Jamaican and Barbadian roots, has died at the age of 65. Zephaniah published his first collection of reggae-inspired dub poetry after he moved to London in 1979, tackling topics like racism and poverty. He was also one of the first poets to address the climate crisis. In 2003, Benjamin Zephaniah refused the prestigious OBE award, which stands for Order of the British Empire. In an op-ed, he wrote, quote, no way, Mr. Blair, no way, Mrs. Queen, I'm profoundly anti-empire, he said. In 2010, Zephaniah spoke to Democracy Now! just after he joined the British production of The People Speak. A people's history of Britain inspired by the work of the late historian,
4: Howard Zinn.
17: I didn't know big words like democracy. I didn't know the difference between left or right or anything like that. I just knew I was suffering racism. I was suffering police brutality. Our schools are run down, our houses are run down, and I wanted to speak about it. Um, It was political, but I couldn't spell the word politics. I just wanted to talk about the conditions we lived in.
11: And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. We're broadcasting from Dubai in the United Arab Emirates at the UN Climate Summit. Israel's bombardment of Gaza has entered its third month. Health officials in Gaza say the Israeli assault has killed over 17,000 Palestinians. Earlier this week, an Israeli airstrike in Gaza City killed the acclaimed Palestinian academic and activist Rafat al along with his brother, his sister, and four of his nieces. For more than 16 years, al worked as a professor of English literature at the Islamic University of Gaza, where he taught Shakespeare and other subjects. Rafat al-Ariyad was a father of six and a mentor to many young Palestinian writers and journalists. He also co-founded the organization We Are Not Numbers. He authored dozens of stories and poems about life under Israeli occupation in Gaza. In a few minutes, we'll speak to one of his friends, but first I want to return to Rafat al-Ariyad in his own words. He's spoken to us several times. This is October 10th. As he spoke to Democracy Now!, Israeli strikes rattled his family's home in Gaza City.
12: What is happening in Gaza is complete and utter extermination of the non-Jewish population in occupied uh, Palestine. As you mentioned, Israel ordered a medieval hermetic siege uh, from air and sea. Israel has also just bombed. The only way out through Egypt, the Rafah, the Rafah crossing. The only way out is uh, for uh, what's happening. What we are uh, foreseeing is uh, slow starvation, slow genocide. Maybe Israel is going to push us all into the sea. And I think what is making it even more difficult than before is that the whole world, not even lip service, all uh, American and European uh, countries and politicians are rushing to pledge allegiance to Israel and to Netanyahu. Israeli uh, of, uh, American uh, politicians uh, American uh, presidential hopefuls are literally calling for for uh, for genocide. American mainstream media is not pushing uh, back against Israeli officials calling for the collateral damage of hundreds of thousands of Palestinians uh, in Gaza. Uh, uh, why is this happening? because we refuse to live under occupation we refuse to live in in, in 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 total submission we want freedom we want this occupation to end this is this is not a state of war as uh, one of your guests just mentioned this is a state of occupation that started over uh, 7 uh, 75 years that started with the, uh, uh, the the british uh, empire giving palestine to the zionist uh, movement in ni- in 1917 the only hope we have is in the growing popular support in in america in the movements uh, uh, of, the of the, the, the movements the, the the human rights and the rights movements in 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 america and across europe uh, to to take to the streets uh, to pressure their uh, politicians into Uh, uh, putting an end uh, uh, to this uh, uh, dark, dark uh, episode of not only uh, the history of the Middle East but also the history of of humanity. If people are asking how uh, was the Holocaust allowed and other genocides in Africa and across the world, now you can see this live on TV, live on social media. Palestinians hold blocks, destroyed, hospitals, schools, uh, businesses, We are speaking about uh, uh, thousands and thousands of of housing units uh, destroyed by, by, by Israel. So my message to the free people of the world is to move, to pressure, to mobilize, and to take to the streets.
11: Rafat Aladir, you are the father of six. How old are your children? And can you describe uh, what it's like to live there right now?
12: Like I said, this has been systematically happening for over seven seven decades. It was uh, the noose around Gaza's uh, neck was tightened 15 years ago, and it's being tightened even further now. Uh, The the, the situation is uh, unspeakable. You can't describe what's happening in, in words. Uh, uh, we, we speak about thousands, hundreds and thousands of Israeli bombs uh, and shells targeting all areas of the Gaza Strip. The kids can't sleep. The kids can't eat. The kids can't even speak. Most of the time, they're just mute, silent, uh, shaking out of fear, sometimes whimpering because of how close the, the bombs are wherever you are in uh, in Gaza. And again, how the houses shake every time there is a bomb uh, around, and this is happening again all over Gaza Strip. Israel is telling people, is pushing people forcibly to leave uh, out of their uh, uh, homes, and uh, uh, and asking, urging them to go to certain places like the city center or the UN places shelters, uh, shelters, and then Israel bombs the roads leading to these areas and bombs. Uh, these crowded areas. Yesterday, there was a massacre. Israel killed about 60 Palestinians in Jabalia refugee camp in a local market where there is a, a UN school, people, people taking shelter there. So whether it is my, my kids or any Palestinian kid or any Palestinian, no one is safe. No place is safe. Israel is bombing everywhere.
11: Those were the words. Of the acclaimed Palestinian academic and activist Rafat Al-Adir, speaking on Democracy Now! October 10th. Earlier this week, he was killed in an Israeli airstrike, along with his brother, his sister, and four of his nieces. Rafat last posted on social media Monday, writing on the platform X, quote, The Democratic Party and Biden are responsible for the Gaza genocide perpetrated by Israel. When Democracy Now! spoke to Rafat during the 2021 Israeli assault on Gaza, he also accused the Biden administration of enabling the massacre of Palestinians.
17: I think it was uh, Biden that
12: gave uh, Netanyahu the the green light to start this. When uh, uh, the, uh, they tweeted that America supports Israel's right to defend itself, uh, uh, two days after the aggression started, I quickly said that this is going to be a long a war against civilians because Israel is killing us using American weapons, using American technology, using American uh, uh, planes. Uh, America has the American administration, all American administrations have blood, Palestinian blood, on their hands, the massacre that is going on is on Biden. Uh,
11: again, the words of the late Palestinian academic and activist Rafat al speaking on Democracy Now! in 2021, months after he had written an op-ed for the New York Times headlined, My Child Asks Can Israel Destroy Our Building If the Power Is Out? We're joined right now by Jihad Absalim, scholar and policy analyst from Gaza, executive director of the Jerusalem Fund. He was a student and close friend of Rafat al Um, Jihad, thank you so much for joining us. Our deepest condolences on the loss of your friend who you've known for some 17, 18 years. Can you talk about how you learned of Rafat's death and tell us the story of his life?
15: Thank you for having me. Uh, I was at work when my wife called me um, asking me if I heard something about Trifat and if the news about him were true. I opened my, my phone, I looked at my social media apps and... That was the moment I realized that he was gone. Rifat al-Arair was a towering figure in Palestinian society, especially in Gaza. He transcended the role of a mere educator and a teacher. He was a mentor, a beacon of wisdom and guidance, a loving father and husband, and a compassionate son. Rifat's presence enriched the lives of hundreds, if not thousands of students. His influence extended far beyond the confines of the classroom. Rifat Rifat wasn't just a teacher. He was a friend, a confidant. He was someone who loved to support his students and who believed strongly in the potential of each student, offering them personal advice and guidance. Rifat will be missed. It is really hard to sum up Rifat's story in a few words. But one thing I can say, Amy, is that Rifat's life was not without its share of many, many challenges. Despite personal tragedies and the harsh realities of life in Gaza, Refaat remained unwavering, using his pen and his voice to fight back and to write back. His resilience was an inspiration to us all, his students and friends and members of the cultural, intellectual and literary community in Gaza. In a place like Gaza where Educational resources are scarce. Uh, Rifat's mastery of the English language was more than a skill. It was a mission. He saw English as a a key, a tool to liberation uh, and a means to defy the siege and intellectual and academic restrictions that Israel imposed on Gaza and other Palestinian communities so for him his teaching wasn't just about imparting knowledge or conducting exams it was about empowerment about using language as a weapon against oppression
11: do you know Jihad how he was killed
15: from From what we hear in the media and based on reports by his friends, neighbors, he was sheltering at a school and he received a phone call from the Israeli intelligence informing him that his location, that they located his place, that they identified his location. And whether this was a, a call from an official arm of the Israeli intelligence or a mere Troll, we don't know. He decided that it, it's probably not safe for him to remain at the school where he was sheltering. So he went probably to see family, his sister, his brother, And at that moment, the place where he was, was bombed, which led to killing him, his sister, his brother, and his four nieces. Many of the details remain unknown, given the fact that the part of Gaza where he was killed in Shijaiya is cut off from the rest of the Gaza Strip, It is under heavy bombardment and it is the site of many atrocities that are still being committed by Israeli forces. So without having journalists and investigators and workers with international organizations access these areas, we can't really fully grasp all the details of Rafat's death, and of course, the tragedy—the tragedies that have befell many, many other Palestinians there.
11: Jahad Abu Salim, uh, he's taught at Islamic University, is that right? I, You know, before uh, the well-known human rights attorney, Raji Sarani, Ultimately left Gaza. Uh, we were interviewing him at his home in Gaza City, um, and he—the house shook, and he—we learned then that Islamic University had been hit. Now, in the last days, we've learned that the president of uh, Islamic University was killed with his family, Professor Sufyan Taya. Um, uh, That occurred um, uh, just recently. Um, He was a well-known mathematician and physicist. Uh, Did you know him?
15: I did not know Professor Taya. But as someone who went to both the Al-Azhar University in Gaza, which was destroyed, the Islamic University in Gaza, which was destroyed, I can tell you that the scale of loss, the tragedy that has befallen the academic, scholarly, and intellectual community in Gaza and in Palestine is unprecedented. Israel is destroying the foundations of society in the Gaza Strip. Israel is systematically destroying our educational system, our cultural institutions. And today, we saw footage of the Grand Omari Mosque in Gaza, a structure that dates back to thousands of years. Also in ruins. This is a genocidal war of erasure, of uprooting, and of mass destruction. We mourn our teachers, our educators, our doctors, our nurses, our friends, our neighbors. And we also Are mourning the loss of a society as we knew it that no longer exists. And this is all happening while the world is watching, leaving Palestinians in Gaza endure one of the largest bombardment campaigns in the 21st century. How is this acceptable? How is this allowed to happen?
11: Jahar Absalim, um, Rafat edited two volumes. Can you talk about those books uh, like Gaza Writes Back? He was a poet, a writer, an author, an activist.
15: In Gaza Writes Back, Rafat says, and I quote, Writing is a testimony, a memory that outlives any human experience and an obligation to communicate with ourselves and the world. We lived for a reason, to tell the tales of loss, of survival, and of hope. Rifat al Arair understood the power of English. He understood that in a place like Gaza, where educational resources are scarce and where educational institutions are cut off from the rest of the world he realized that his mastery of the english language was more than a skill it was a mission so he saw english as a as a key to liberation a means to defy the siege and the intellectual and academic blockade that israel has imposed and continues to impose in Gaza. And as I said, Rifat's teaching wasn't just about imparting knowledge. It was about empowerment and about using language as a weapon against oppression. So when Rifat was teaching those hundreds and thousands of students, including myself, he he said to us that we are living in a world that is refusing to hear us, is refusing to listen to us, and is refusing to listen to our stories. And he warned, he warned that the world will continue to perceive Palestinians as numbers and to perceive their pain as abstract statistics mentioned in the reports of human rights organizations that come out every year and and then are rendered are important. So he told us that we have to write our stories. We have to talk about our stories and we have to make sure that our stories are communicated in every language and in every way possible.
11: Jihad, I'm wondering if as we wrap up, Um, You can read the poem that Rafat had pinned to his Twitter page, the top, If I Must Die.
15: I will, and it's a great honor to do so. Rafat wrote, If I must die, you must live to tell my story, to sell my things to buy a piece of cloth and some strings. Make it white with a long tail, so that a child somewhere in Gaza, while looking heaven in the eye, awaiting his dad who lived in a blaze and bid no one farewell, not even to his flesh, not even to himself. Seize the kite, my kite you made, flying up above and thinks for a moment an angel is there bringing back love if I must die let it bring hope let it be a tale
4: Jihad Abu
11: Salim I want to thank you for being with us again deepest condolences on the loss of your friend and mentor Jihad is a scholar and policy analyst from Gaza, the executive director of the Jerusalem Fund, speaking to us from Virginia. Um, Rafat Alarir was the editor of two volumes, Gaza Unsilenced and Gaza Writes Back. We'll also link to his op ed piece in the New York Times, he wrote several years ago. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org. I'm Amy Goodman. Meanwhile, here at COP28 in Dubai, protests in solidarity with Palestine have faced severe restrictions. Earlier today, Asad Rehman, the lead spokesperson for the Climate Justice Coalition, joined with other leaders of human rights groups in a media huddle to talk at an unofficial media briefing
1: there's a deep irony that we have the Secretary General invoking Article 99 of the UN Charter and we still, and in this a UN space, uh, where you have countless UN institutions calling for a ceasefire, even uttering the word ceasefire has been something that we were blocked from saying, and it has taken us a week of negotiating before we were allowed to say that sentence in there, but still today, uh, any visual depictions of that, including badges that etc. People have been told they are not allowed to wear that. Uh, people have been told they will be debadged if they don't take off those badges uh, or take off kefirs or take off these lanyards. I have to say, some both of us who have been involved in this UN space for many, many years, this is probably the most restrictive we've seen. Way more restrictive than Egypt last year. And, and deep irony there, where we were promised that our rights as civil society would be Protected here, And everything we have tried to do has been within the UN rules. Everything. We are well versed in the UN rules about what is acceptable and not acceptable. But the rules are being changed on a day by day basis. They've been interpreted by somebody else that, uh, to determine what is acceptable or not acceptable. We were told. That was because by the COP presidency. We went and saw the COP presidency, and the COP presidency said both privately and then publicly it is not the COP28 presidency which is pushing for these restrictions then the question is who is pressuring the UN and the UN institution a UN agency that we are not allowed to raise what is a question that is of course of the uppermost uh, on the, uh, in everybody's minds both what's taking place in Gaza the fact that international law and the humanitarian law is, being, is lies in shreds and what that implications means for us as an, as organizations deeply committed to both the multilateral space and also, of course, international law.
11: Assad Raymond, the lead spokesperson for the Climate Justice Coalition, speaking earlier today here at COP28 in Dubai. Coming up, an exclusive interview. We speak to indigenous climate activist Jacob Johns. He was shot in the chest two months ago in New Mexico by a gunman wearing a red MAGA hat. We'll speak to the indigenous environmental activist.
9: Stay with us.
11: Karim Bagili, featuring the trio Gibran. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman as we broadcast from COP28 in Dubai. We look now at threats to land and environmental defenders on the front lines of the climate crisis. Global Witness documented that last year a climate defender was killed every other day somewhere in the world. In a minute, we'll speak with Jacob Johns, a Hothi and Akamal O'odham environmental defender with the U.S. Climate Action Network, who's leading the indigenous wisdom keepers delegation here at COP28 after he survived being shot in the chest by a far right agitator in September in Española, New Mexico. The 23-year-old shooter was a supporter of Donald Trump, was wearing a red MAGA hat when he attacked a protest against the reinstallation of a statue of the violent Spanish conquistador Juan de Oñate. John's and other indigenous activists were protesting plans to reinstall the statue honoring the 16th century conquistador who was also New Mexico's first colonial governor and ordered a massacre in 1599 that killed between 800 and 1000 Okoma indigenous people three years ago. In 2020, a former Albuquerque City Council candidate was arrested for shooting a protester four times at a demonstration calling for the removal of another Oñate statue. Local and state officials in New Mexico reportedly ignored the warnings of potential gun violence ahead of the indigenous-led peaceful action. This is Melanie Yazi of the Red Nation. Denise Williams, mother of shooting victim Scott Williams, who was targeted at a 2020 Oñate protest in Albuquerque, said prior to Thursday's event, she called Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's office, the office of U.S. Senator Martin Heinrich, New Mexico State Police, the office of the New Mexico Attorney General, all members of U.S. Congress representing Valencia County in New
18: Mexico, and all New Mexico State representatives and senators from Valencia County, to warn them of the high chance of gun violence directed at attendees. State Senator Elizabeth Stefanix was the only one to respond. Immediately after the shooting, Scott Williams' father, Dan Williams, called the governor's office again to tell her that she, quote, had blood on her hands for failing to properly respond
11: to and prevent
18: both shootings.
11: In October, a judge found probable cause to charge the gunman, Ryan Martinez, with attempted murder for the shooting of Jacob Johns during the peaceful prayer ceremony. Again, Melanie Azzi
1: been shown that the shooter was in possession of automatic weapons and deliberately targeted and attacked a peaceful and prayerful assembly
18: of indigenous peoples he brandished his gun at women and children if jacob hadn't interposed himself there could have well been a mass shooting
11: on
2: september 28th
11: For more, we're joined by Jacob Johns for his first interview since he put his body between women and children when the shooter charged at them. We're so thankful you're alive, Jacob, um, and that you have healed enough to come to Dubai for the UN Climate Summit. If you don't mind going back to September 28th and talk about why you had flown in from Washington State, where you live, to New Mexico and what you were protesting when uh, the shooter came forward.
13: Yeah, so uh, I'm based in Spokane, Washington. I'm a community-supported organizer underneath the fiscal sponsorship of the Backbone campaign. And so I, I'm a, like a solo nonprofit group that does intersectional organizing around social justice and environmental protection. Uh, I am a part of the U.S. Climate Action Network, which is uh, a a national network that has like 187 organizations that come together and really try to build the build momentum around forcing our government to to do what they say they're going to do especially at these international tables of the cop i had applied for a grant and i went down to the west coast regional meeting to talk about the grant and to meet with other orgs in the area uh, one of the things that the network likes to do is to support local movement spaces and I was asked to come out and support the local Tiwa movement that was taking place at the statue in Española. Um, I'm part Hopi, which uh, makes me a cousins to my Tiwa cousins in New Mexico. And so I felt obligated to go out there. They told me that it was mainly women and children and two spirits and elders that were holding ceremony and prayer vigil to pray that this statue wasn't reinstalled. Uh, the statue was taken down in 2020. And the akuma people and the hemez people, and all of the local Tiwa people have oral history and oral testimony of the horrendous things that took place there at the hands of this person, Onyate. So uh, we came out to support, to spent the night there, and we had a prayer ceremony at sunrise. Uh, accompanied with the elders of the Tiwa Women United and uh, other members of the U.S. Climate Action Network that came out to support, and um, the county commissioner ended up not uh, reinstalling the statue, and so our prayers were heard and and answered. You know, we weren't protesting, we weren't anti-anything, we were pro-logic and we were pro-sensibility, and our prayers were sent out into the universe and were received.
11: So what happened with this guy in a red MAGA hat?
13: So a group of uh, agitators showed up, a bunch of uh, right-wing extremists showed up wearing, you know, Make America Great Again hats and um, were really just advocating for the statue to be built and to, well, to be re-put into place. Um, this, they thought, was a, a something that needed to be honored. Um, this person uh, who the statue is of is equitable to uh, Hitler, and so, you know, we think of the idea of putting up a statue of Hitler in, uh, you know, in a, in a place where there's mainly Jewish people. It's a, it's a horrendous atrocity to like just moral responsibility. And so these people came out and they were very, very aggressive, very, very agitative. Um, There was one specifically the shooter um, that was walking around and being very, very aggressive, coming into the space, coming into the uh, altar space and was just taking a lot of video, getting in people's faces, saying racist things to young children and just uh, really being in a a negative space. Uh, The police ended up taking him and and making him leave uh, because of how he was being so aggressive to the gentle crowd. Um, And then he was allowed to come back in. Uh, Once he came back in, the police left. And this is when the uh, incident occurred.
11: And he opened fire. You went through several surgeries. Um, That was at the end of September. This is only two months later. Um, You've healed enough to come here. Um, Talk about why uh, you're leading the indigenous wisdom keepers delegation and what you're calling for here.
13: Yeah, so you know, they said that they charged him with attempted murder, but I, I did in fact die. I died in the helicopter on the ride from El Española to uh, Albuquerque, and in that place beyond uh, death, I ran into a council of spirits that I had to beg and convince to let me come back into this body. I had to sign a new life contract with a, list, a long list of, of things that I had to do, and so this was one of them. You know, we had been working for a year. Uh, Bringing together a group of uh, indigenous wisdom keepers and activists and youth activists from around the world to come together and put our minds into a document that would distill indigenous wisdom from a global perspective and really stand in solidarity with each other. You know, a lot of us as indigenous folks understand that. Uh, what we are trying to push domestically often goes on deaf ears and that we have to step outside of our governmental forces and try to plead internationally to these type of venues. And so we have, uh, you know, 15 folks who have been coming from around the world to be here and i was first off spiritually obligated but morally obligated to continue to do this work and you know first i'm the i'm the money man too right like i got to sign the checks i got to put everything in i got to make sure everything is in the space that it needs to be but i do have ongoing medical issues
11: and what is most important you want to see out of cop 28
13: I want to see the hearts and minds of our world leaders shift into a more logical frame. You know, we must stand in solidarity with a future that is healthy and livable and just. Uh, we are being fed dystopian lies about how the world will end and how everything will fall apart. And yes, the science is saying that, but we as indigenous people understand that as the old world dies, that a new one is created and that we must focus on that creation process as being what it is we are trying to broadcast into the universe.
11: Jacob Johns, Hopi and Akamal O'odham, environmental defender, part of the U.S. Climate Action Network, leading the Indigenous Wisdom Keepers delegation after surviving being shot in the chest in September by a far-right agitator in New Mexico. Thank God you're okay. Thank you so much for being here in this first interview, Jacob next up as brazilian president luis Inácio lula da silva calls for phasing out fossil fuels we'll speak with amazon watch about lula's climate record back in 30 seconds
2: stop
12: war Military powers, we know who you are. You cannot dictate with your blood and your ears. How peaceful people tight this Stop the war, stop the war. For certain death is near not far. Keep a drive to the in car, pretending they want to stop the war. How what we want is love and unity. Walk together as a happy family. Are of
11: this world, you see, a peaceful life birthright free, nuclear free world. A Stop the War for I by Benjamin Zephaniah, the British activist and poet. He was inspired by his roots in Jamaica and Barbados. He's died at the age of 65. To see our interview with Benjamin a few years ago, go to democracynow.org. This is Democracy Now! I'm Amy Goodman. We're broadcasting from COP28 in Dubai, UAE. We end today's show looking at Brazil's plans to address the climate crisis. Here at COP, Brazilian President Luiz Inacio Lula da Silva called for a phase-out of fossil fuels.
14: Now is the time to face the debate about the slow-motion pace of the decarbonization of the planet and to work towards an economy that will be less reliant on fossil fuel.
11: But Brazil has also alarmed many climate activists over its plan to join the oil producer alliance OPEC plus as an observer state. This is Lula again
14: yeah no so no. our participation in OPEC is for us to discuss with OPEC the need that rich oil producing countries start investing part of their money in helping poor countries in the African continent in Latin America in Asia to invest in non fossil fuels. They can fund ethanol, biodiesel, wind energy, solar energy, green hydrogen. This is our role we
11: 're joined now by paula Vargas, Brazil program director at Amazon Watch. We thank you so much for being with us. Why don't you start off by clarifying what is Lula, the Brazilian president's stance right now?
18: We had a lot of expectations that Brazil president will be leading climate um, action towards a better planet. But what we saw here is a big contradiction. And Lula, in one hand, it's like delivering a lot of important um, speeches and announcements, but in the other one, his Minister of Mining and Energy is praising the interests of OPEC+. So it's a big skeleton they are are trying to hide, as, for instance, the attempt to open the Amazon to oil exploitation.
2: Hmm.
11: Were you encouraged by any stance, and do you think Lula can be moved, also the question about encouraging oil drilling um,
18: off-site, off-coast? The there are reasons to be encouraged and hopeful because it's, in fact, possible for Lula to take this leadership role. It's a fact that he arrived at COP delivering what he promised in terms of deforestation, and he pledged zero deforestation by 2030. He's one of the most ambitious uh, plans and uh, President in trying to lead his uh, NDCs towards the commitment of the Paris Agreement. He's also very focused on the climate justice and bringing those that are more vulnerable to the table. He's receiving indigenous leaders and working with them towards this. So, yes, in two years, Lula can be uh, supported, not only pressured, but supported to take this leadership role. Talk more about what Bolsonaro
11: did. Um, his targeting of the rainforest, and how much further Lula has to go?
18: It's a sad thing to say that in four years, Bolsonaro has really created and opened the Amazon for a lot of illegal activities. He had... If this sense of impunity and now we have trans-border crime going stronger we have people defying the government even after Lula took the invaders from the Anomami territory now they are back and defying the police and fighting them so what Bolsonaro did was in in terms of like like helping those illegal loggers, illegal minings, and farmers to get to the Amazon as the new frontier and a lawless frontier. So Lula has a big challenge. First, to try to get better condition, give better condition to the environmental agencies. They are now trying to do the work, so they need funds, they need people, because it was dismantled. But it's proof that it can be done. It was done before when Lula was president and Marina was the minister, and they were able to reduce deforestation in 82%. Now in only one year, they haven't been able to do this. Almost, They arrived in almost 49% of deforestation. So, yes, it can be done, and he's moving towards it. But we also have to understand and be attentive for what they are calling sustainable Progress, economy, because he's talking about by economy, but there are a lot of people that thinks that that means more mining, and mining, is, in the model that exists now, it's not sustainable. So. It is, Brazil can, give, can be in the leadership of renewable energy and can think about a different progress if they work with community towards, for instance, regenerative agriculture and not agribusiness, not cattle, not big industrial monoculture, because people are hungry, like right? we need food. And farmers can also be part of the development, right? So Brazil has a big, big possibility of being the top leader and environmental change and we do believe that we have two years to prove that. Um,
11: Latin America is the deadliest region for environmentalists. Who's behind the murders?
18: It's not a simple question because we have been seeing how crime are a big network of actors. We have from, for instance, the community poor people. They are working as a legal logger and legal fishermen because they need to survive. but they are part of then a big chain that are doing that like uh, taking this fish, but working with legal loggers and then the legal miners come. And in the four of bolsonaro, what we happen is the big cartel. The drug cartel are now working transborder between like the Peru, Colombia, Brazil, Venezuela and just recently Amazon Watch released a big important report Amazon on the world where this is like showing off and it's also important to understand that the The solution is not simple. We just don't need more militarization or it's not putting the army or police, police reinforcement. The only solution needs to happen to take them. But if if we don't bring solutions, there are social solutions, work with the community, economy solutions, there will be just another war and we don't need more war. What do you want to see come out of you and
11: COP28 where we are right now?
18: I want to see people to believe in that COP can be a place for big discussions and to give hope and unite movements, not the big business expo that is becoming right now. The significance of um, uh, Al Jaber,
11: Dr. Al Jaber, being the president of the COP and also the head of one of the largest oil companies in the world. Yeah, that is like... And the, a lobbyists about 2,500 of them. We've never seen anything yeah. like this at any cop.
18: We also not saw, like, what we saw since Egypt, right? It's like, why those two cops are happening in those places? And I think, like, because of this and because of this the corporate capture, the fossil fuel capture happening, instead of giving us less hope, to, like, push civil society and movements and journalists towards putting more effort to make Brazil COP a different one. Again, like, we have to understand loss and damage will never happen without pressure of the civil society. It's not their interest to send their money, and there were money announced. It's not enough but it's announced. So we have to maybe believe that UN and COP could be a place that we can still be politicians together to discuss the better world, but it will not happen without our pressure, your work, and our work as civil society and more. We have to organize transnational global movements so that together we can push our governments toward the right path.
11: Well, oh, I want to thank you so much for being with us, Paula Vargas, Brazil Program Director at Amazon Watch. In the coming days, we'll be broadcasting an interview with Brazil's first indigenous people's minister and the first indigenous women's people's minister that does it for our broadcast. A very special thanks to our team here in Dubai. To Nermeen Sheikh, Maria Tarasena, Hani Massoud, Tamari Askido, Dennis Moynihan here in the UAE, as well as the AP team, Rania Hader and Julian Jones, Pablo Del Braccio, David Yakulucci, Tobin Shackelford, uh, Zoran Yankovic, Joseph Mark Dilema, Sama Wale, and Rawan Qasem. Oh, this Saturday, I'll be moderating the Bill Marsh Tribunal with journalist Ryan Grimm at the National Press Club at 2 p.m. on Julian Assange and the Biden administration's crackdown on free speech and the First Amendment. You can watch the live stream at Democracy Now!'s YouTube channel that Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Democracy Now! is produced with Mike Burke, Renee Feltz, Dina Guzder, Messiah Rhodes Tammy Warnup, Trina Ndoura, Sam Alcoff, John Hamilton, Ravi Karen, Hanani Masood, and Sanji Lopez. Our executive director is Julie Crosby. I'm Amy Goodman with a whole team here in Dubai, UAE.
4: Oh, my. Oh. I keep remembering Mother said... One month, Mm -hmm. and everything can be made right. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: Post the Sara, the enactment of the Sara. Okay, we're going to play this next one. This is called the motherland of Mu. What catastrophe ended the ancient civilization of Mu? Could the area we have come to know as the mighty Pacific once have been mostly land? If so, what catastrophe ended the ancient civilization of Mu? Mm-hmm. From indigenous oral traditions to modern sacred texts, discover the mystery of of the pre-Diluvian motherland of Mu. Explore alternative research from the combined disciplines of archaeology and spiritualism to uncover the potential originals for many of the legends throughout the specific rim. Examine potential clues that led to Mu's catastrophic demise and spark a new understanding of the power and influence of that once thriving motherland that is now below the surface of the Pacific Ocean. I see you found it, Rama. All right, let's do this. All our familiar friends are in this one. Greg Braden, Andrew Collins, William Henry...
19: Around the planet speak of two great civilizations, Mu and Atlantis, that rose to prominence and power and were completely destroyed by catastrophes that are beyond our comprehension. Megalithic relics aligned to the ancient sky provide evidence that these civilizations harnessed a knowledge of the cosmos mathematics, and architecture that completely defies modern human understanding. Who taught these great civilizations how to manipulate matter and bend the laws of gravity? How advanced did their technology become before their world ended? What happened to these great civilizations? Earth was drastically changed between roughly 12,800 and 11,600 years ago in a chaotic period of time named the Younger Dryas. Blending science with mythology provides a geological glimpse into the ancient record when the legends were born and the world abruptly ended for many species on planet Earth. Exploring evidence for sunken cities, lost continents, cosmic catastrophes, and prophecies, we can uncover a time when Earth's ancient ancestors nearly disappeared, leaving only relics from a time before the end of the world. The Pacific Rim. Legendary tales echo throughout the entire coastline of the Pacific Ocean about a civilization that began roughly 50,000 years ago and understood the principles of nature and the elements. From the tales of the great sun god Maui to the mysterious past of the Polynesian Islands, remnants from this great civilization who taught of the importance of our connection to the planet and the stars, are scattered throughout this legendary region, providing clues to a time when the empire we have come to know as Mu was a thriving civilization in the
20: Pacific. Throughout history, there have always been references to an ancient motherland, a land that pre-existed long before civilization as we know it today. We find in the oral traditions of the indigenous peoples of the world memories and stories of this ancient land all the way from the aboriginals in Australia through the Andes of southern Peru, Bolivian, Altiplano, all the way into Tibet and Nepal and India and all through the American desert southwest and more. The story that is told from this ancient continent of Mu is the story that predates
16: all of the other civilizations. Everybody has heard about Atlantis. This is this island continent in the Atlantic Ocean, obviously, but there is an equal version of that in the Pacific Ocean. And this is the island continent of Mune. And there are various cultures that exist all over the Pacific, that talk about the destruction of this island continent.
21: Mu, or Mu'ul, as they tend to call it for the Pacific and South America, is a fascinating story because if you see the story from multiple angles around the Pacific, you begin to get a picture of what it actually was. This country, this continent, or series of islands, was actually the center of a civilization. And we have evidence from the people around the Pacific that talk about a time when a great catastrophe inundated the whole of the Pacific. There were all kinds of objects coming out of the sky, destroying their homeland.
1: There are a number of cultures that talk about these events. On Easter Island, the natives claim that they came from a sunken land that once had a very advanced culture. In the Madrid Codex, it talks about a land that was shaken up and fell beneath the waters and was never seen again. It goes on to tell us that 64 million people died that day.
22: There are legends about Mu, especially in the Pacific Northwest. The area around Mount Shasta, for example, has amazing stories about a pre-flood civilization on Mu, which was very near the the California coast. What they tell us in these stories is that the California coast originally extended two to five miles out from where it presently is. And that having foreknowledge of this impending cataclysm, that there were survivors that left and came over to California and settled in the area around and even
19: within Mount Shasta. Several relics from this ancient civilization can be found throughout the mighty Pacific. From the mysterious megaliths to the tribal cultures and practices throughout, many agree that the ancient civilization of Mu influenced countless cultures. But the question remains, where was this legendary motherland?
21: If you just look at the Pacific from space, for example, and you compare it to the rest of the Earth, there's this unmistakable idea that there's a big piece of land missing. It's like what you're seeing today, the little dots of the islands around the Pacific are the tops of the mountains from where a landmass used to be. And that certainly is still in the memory of a lot of Pacific islands today.
19: My personal belief is that what we call Mu was ancient Hawaii. If you looked at a topographical map of Hawaii,
23: and lower the sea
19: level by 400 feet, all of the islands connect.
21: So, there are conflicting stories about Mool as a landmass. And once you start piecing these things together, you begin to realize it was a concept. Mool was an idea that actually brought together many cultures and many fragments together in what was essentially a group of islands. So, it was more like an archipelago.
16: Various cultures say that this is where they came from originally this is where their ancestors came from many thousands of years earlier and this was said to have been destroyed in a cataclysm
21: the inundation is what essentially made people escape this landmass and start spreading the colonization and the ideas around the pacific
19: evidence from tibet sparked alternative researchers to explore the validity and power of this once thriving civilization in the center of the pacific ocean known
14: as mu the story with mu begins in the 1900s with a british archaeologist named sir mark arl stein who was traveling through asia and specifically tibet when he met a Taoist monk The Taos monk went on to tell him this incredible story about these set of caves high in the cliffs known as the Caves of a Thousand Buddhas. In this story, the Taos monk describes how they were doing restoration work on a number of these caves. And near cave number 16, they discovered a hidden chamber that opened up to a library that had not been seen by humans in over 800 years. As Stein was going through the library, he found pieces of an ancient map that described the lost civilizations of Mu and Atlantis. It also gave us descriptions of this volatile time period, showing inland flooding throughout North and South America, showing these catastrophes that were ongoing on the Earth at the time. And this map seems to give us a snapshot into a lost time period in history, showing that the Moose civilization in this entire landmass that had existed in the Pacific was in the process of being destroyed. And this map gives us a window into the past to understand this forgotten civilization and gives us the proof that it truly existed. After Sir Mark Arlstein obtained this ancient map from the Taos monk, he brought it back with him, along with a number of other ancient texts. And that's when he got the attention of another writer, James Churchward. One of the most prolific
16: writers on Mew was James Churchward. What Churchward said was that the survivors of Mew actually came onto the Asian continent and are the Uyghurs, the people that occupy what is today the extreme west of China, much persecuted people as we know, that they were actually the final remnants of the inhabitants of Mu.
14: James Churchward really was the father of the evidence and the theories regarding the civilization of Mu. And that's where the story building off of the discoveries in the Taos cave of this map really begin, because it was when James Churchward found some of the evidence that was being discovered outside of Mexico City by a man named William Niven, who discovered over 100 anticide tablets that were very mysterious at the time. It was when James Churchward got a hold of those rubbings, of those tablets, that the whole story really came together. Because according to James Churchward, in his book, he describes how the tablets gave the context of the descriptions of the civilization of Mu, whereas the map gave the location and the details of how it was destroyed. Coupled together with the map and this new information, James Churchward formulated this entire set of new theories that we now build off of for the civilization of Mu and where it existed and when it existed.
20: Geologists do acknowledge that there was a landmass called Sunderland, an ancient landmass precisely in the location in the Pacific where the ancient traditions say that this motherland existed. This land was exposed during a time in geologic history when the temperatures are much colder, during the ice ages. Geologists actually look at this land bridge as the route for the migration from people from New Guinea, for example, and New Zealand into Australia. They were able to go across these land bridges because the water levels were low. According to Churchford, there was a continent that stretched all the way from what today we call the Hawaiian Islands down into Easter Island, over into the Indonesian islands to the west. If you could imagine in the Pacific Ocean, a massive continent of that size in place of what we see is, is water today. In
19: 1864, zoologist Philip Sclater noticed the presence of lemur monkey fossils near Madagascar, but not in Africa or Australia. He questioned if there was a landmass connecting Madagascar to India that once allowed these monkeys to migrate further than we once thought. This area became referred to as Lemuria. Throughout modern history, Mu has sometimes gone by the name Lemuria. In the early 1900s, Russian occultist Helena Blavatsky studied throughout the world and wrote about early human ancestors named the Lemurians. Though there are vast differences between the lives of ancient humans and how our modern civilization has been built, one thing is certain. Divine wisdom comes in many different disciplines,
23: shapes, and sizes. So let's take a different view at some of these things. Let's look at some alternate information as to the origin of human history, a different sort of point of view and why we want to look to these, let's say channeled texts to the information that they have. Well, when we go back and look at some of the ancient writings that we still have today, they are channeled texts in one form or another. They were considered sacred documents. And when we look to the works of modern Blavatsky, She tells us that the people of Mu, Lemuria, Atlantis were guided by higher-level beings. And this guidance came in the form of telepathic communication rather than verbal communication. And what we find fascinating is that the little pieces and parts that come from the channel texts of the modern world and the ancient world can be validated and verified through archaeological evidence. But what about the missing pieces? What about the blanks that we can't fill in? Well, that's where we go to the channel text that gets those little pieces and parts right that can be validated. Then we explore those texts and go, oh, this may be the motivations of how they did things. This may be why they did things. This may be how they did things. One of
19: the most popular channelers in the 20th century was Edgar Cayce, also known as the sleeping prophet. Throughout the early 1900s, Cayce performed over 14,000 psychic readings speaking at length about Earth's ancient history. Then, in the early 1980s, l l Research in Louisville, Kentucky, conducted over 100 channeling sessions with a consciousness known as Ra. Ra expressed a knowledge and understanding of the universe and our ancient past, which drastically exceeds modern scientific understanding. These powerful sessions were gathered into a five-book collection named The Law of
23: One. Now, when Ra was speaking through Carla Ruckert to tell us about Mu, they tell us that the people of Mu at that time period, around 50,000 years ago, they were still somewhat primitive, but they had advanced spiritual distortions. And these advanced spiritual distortions helped them to connect to higher-level beings that could teach them about building with stone, and how to create their culture that they did. And the culture that they created was a helpful, harmless civilization, as Ra calls it, that survived for quite a while until it finally became inundated, where the land sunk, and the people fled throughout the world to far off places, most notably to South America North America, the Polynesian Islands, Melanesia, uh, New Zealand, these various places. And this is what we find butt up against the works of Madame Blavatsky, who says the exact same thing for the exact same time period.
24: The survivors of Mu, where did they go? That is probably a very big question. And theories abound. But what I sense about these people through different disciplines So we can look through the discipline of archaeology through dating systems. We can look through the disciplines of spiritualism with Madame Blavatsky, for instance, and we can even look at disciplines like past life regression. And if we combine all of those together to find out some kind of holy history, then the latter suggests... That the survivors went not just to the locality of the islands nearby, which makes sense, you know, like the South Islands and Easter Island, but they went much further afield and colonized and and sent their civilization and their understanding and their texts, their mathematics and astronomy to further afield, even to the Western world. So I don't see the survivors just being in one part of the world; they went everywhere.
19: As the legendary myths remind us, divine intervention has helped many heroes throughout their journeys. Along with the tales of triumph are the legends of absolute destruction when these powerful gods out there beyond the stars began fighting. The ancient Sumerian text, the Enuma Elish, as well as several other sources, refer to a previous planet in our solar system between Mars and Jupiter that was destroyed and is now the asteroid belt. Phaeton, Tiamat, Molge, and Maldek are some of the names throughout history. In 1976, the book The Twelfth Planet by Zechariah Sitchin was published. In this polarizing book, he refers to this exploded planet as Nibiru,
22: Sitchin's interpretation of this exploding planet is, it's very sci-fi. It's very fanciful in some people's opinion. But what's interesting about it is the way he expands our vision in terms of the way we look at these ancient myths. He, He puts it into the celestial realm and puts it into flesh and blood beings that are in conflict with one another. The asteroid belt is plainly there. There was a former planet in our solar system. And the Sumerian myth in the Enuma Elish, they're trying to come to terms with with what happened and, and presenting a, a way of looking at our past. And Sitchin, when he comes in, is looking at it from a technological perspective. It's not to say he's wrong, it's not to say he's right. It's just a it's a interesting way of looking at this.
25: We know definitely in mythology that extraterrestrials were here. This is not just an invention. We know it because they say it themselves. They say their fathers, the gods, traveled to outer space. They mentioned gigantic spaceships. They mentioned wars. They mentioned that they went to Mars, that they went to the moon. They definitely went to outer space. This is all mentioned in old Mahabharata.
23: Another source that we need to reference to have an open-minded skepticism when we look to the ancient world is Swaru. Suaru Avera claims to be a Pleiadian being that is in orbit around the Earth. Swaru described Tiamat as a mostly water-based planet that was in orbit around between Mars and Jupiter, thinking about 80% the size of Neptune. So we're talking a very large water-sized planet with an advanced civilization on it, advanced by our terms. Well, at the time period where all of this was going on, you know, 13,000 plus years ago, there was a major conflict between humanoid species and reptilian species. The humanoid species were aligned with something called the Galactic Federation, and the reptilian had their Orion Council, the Dracos were all fighting with each other. One of the pivotal points that they were in conflict was around this planet Tiamat. And as part of this war, this continuing war, this huge watery planet was destroyed. The result of which is the asteroid belt that we know about today. This caused devastation through our our whole solar system, including putting Venus into a closer orbit towards the sun, which we find in ancient texts all over the place telling us that Venus had a different position. And now it became this fiery, super hot planet where it is now. And so this destruction, which we can hardly fathom today, how do you destroy a planet? In Greek mythology, Tiamat was renamed
22: as Phaeton, the son of Helios, suffers a similar destruction. There's gods flying around in chariots, crashing into the earth. It's a very similar story that opens up the imagination to thinking about flesh and blood, extraterrestrial beings or spiritual beings that are traveling in some sort of chariots of the gods, some kind of crap that are somehow still impacting the earth, and that it's an explanation of our origins. When you read these stories about Tiamat and interpret it as a possible planetary conflict between two rival cultures, you wonder, well, how, how could it, ultimately get to that point wouldn't there be a group a governing body like a galactic federation that could intervene to prevent such a a terrible occurrence and part of the answer to that is it's somewhat disconcerting when you look at even the flood myth on earth the gods who dwell in heaven and are part of a divine council that you could interpret as a galactic federation knew this cataclysm that destroyed an ancient civilization was going to happen and they let it happen anyway. They perhaps couldn't intervene or perhaps weren't allowed to intervene for whatever reason. And so it's very, uh, very interesting to look at this idea of a divine council or galactic federation and what their limits might have been in terms of saving a civilization or, or actually intervening.
25: The planet Earth is hurt and was hurt We have hundreds of thousands of cradles. Some of them may be natural, but others not. Might be the the, the result of a catastrophe. Definitely in old holy books, the few which exist, we have the war in heaven. It is described, the gods were fighting against each other. With atomic bombs, no way out. So we have this
19: description. When combining the myths legends and lore of the ancient civilization of Mu, we discover the same recurring theme. Water was a powerful element in the destruction of the motherland. As scientists search for evidence about Earth's violent history, there's a powerful piece of the story that
25: remains unanswered. Where well, the scientific community, they are asking where did the ice come from? They are asking this question, where did the water come from our planet? This is a question where the scientific community has no answer. So what is believed to have happened is that the sea levels rose very,
20: very quickly from a mysterious event that still is not well understood by modern science. It's a mysterious event that caused a tremendous rise in the sea levels, rapidly burying everything underwater, submerging everything underwater, in a way that left only remnants today. And we see flat top remnants of these mountaintops that if they were above sea level would exceed anything that we see above sea level today. That's how deep the water would have to be to cover this mysterious continent. From a geologic perspective, there is resistance in traditional geology that such a thing could happen for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is the geology and the activity around the geology is based upon computer models. And the computer models show that for this kind of event to happen, so much water would have to be present so quickly in such a short period of time. And the upheavals that would be required on the seafloor to allow this kind of, of submerging of an entire continent or something the models simply cannot account for at this time.
10: Science holds that there was never a flood, but 12,800 years ago there was a major cosmic impact. The object has many names, one of which is Phaeton. Phaeton impacted the Earth. Its remnants are found in the Southern Ocean southeast of Madagascar. Geologists know there was a cosmic impact you can see that there was a very dense central core. So you can see this scrape. It's a thousand-mile-long scrape emanating from the center of the impact to where the central core came to rest, and it is almost unimaginable. It completely changed the planet. James Churchward, he has some very interesting paintings on the destruction of the Mew. In one of them, it shows inhabitants being overcome by a wave of water, and another one that I find most intriguing, he shows the waters, but now these waters have icebergs in them. When this object hit, it was ice, and some huge icebergs or ice chunks didn't melt initially. They got coarsed as the courser made their way around the planet. Now, I want to know, is how did Churchward know that? Where did he get his information, and does that information currently exist?
19: Could the area we have come to know as the mighty Pacific have once been mostly land, roughly 12,900 years ago? Regardless of the journey, Earth has become the watery planet of this majestic solar system. As alternative researchers search beneath the surface for more evidence of this ancient civilization in the Pacific, the stories survive through the sacred teachings, practices, and relics found throughout this infamous territory known as Mu, the ancient motherland.
4: Okay. Let's read what, uh, what uh, Aurora Ray wrote. Okay. Heard what the narrator said. Let's read what she wrote today. today. Yeah, what's Mm. wrong with that? Okay, Mama's got a little something for us at the end. Okay, so this Mm. is this says strange things happening everywhere on Earth are not just. Random. they are telling us that something big is going to happen. Everything. <coughs> Where's the uh, Yes, this is good. Everything is linked. And our planet is definitely heading toward something very different. A long-awaited evolutionary new Earth. The long wait is over. The Galactic Federation plan for Earth's liberation. Playing the page here. Golden days ahead, Earth showing the way to something new. In recent years, there have been many strange and unexplained phenomena occurring across the planet. While the causes behind some of these events remains unclear, they seem to suggest that the Earth is undergoing significant changes. Unusual animal behaviors, extreme weather, pandemics, fluctuations in the magnetic field, mysterious sounds, increased schematic activity, land displacements, sinkholes, and odd cloud formations are just some of the oddities that have scientists scratching their heads. Although many of these variances could be written off as natural occurrences, the frequency and diversity of them have piqued the interests of experts and laymen alike. Convinced that certain events signify our world is on the cusp of a new era, I believe this I believe in a significant shift In how everything works, resembling a dimensional change or a complete transformation of our way of living. I see signs in things like the sky, how societies are changing, or what's happening to the endorsement, the environment. While concrete explanations for these bizarre happenings have yet to be established, It is clear our planet is changing in ways we cannot yet comprehend. This post will explore some of the strangest anomalies and ponder what they could mean for the future of Earth and mankind. Strange animal behavior. In recent years, scientists have observed Unusual animal behaviors that cannot be easily explained. One such phenomena is the disruption of normal migration patterns in birds, fish, and other wildlife. Species that have migrated on regular annual schedules for thousands of years are suddenly altering their routes and routes and timing. For example, monarch buff butterflies Are arriving late in their winter homes in Mexico while some songbirds are wintering farther north than ever before. Marine biologists have also noticed bizarre behavior in whale populations. Large numbers of whales are stranding themselves on beaches leading to mass die-offs. Between 1999 and 2019 orca Strandings increase from two per year to over 20 along the North American west coast alone. While whales can occasionally become disoriented and beach themselves, these high frequencies of mass strandings are unprecedented. Um, scientists do not have definitive explanations for these abnormal be- animal behaviors. They may relate to shifts in ocean currents, magnetism, or other environmental factors. More study is needed to determine why animal migration and instincts are being disrupted on such a large scale in recent times. Yet it is clear our planet's ecosystems are changing rapidly. Extreme weather patterns. In recent years, there have been an A notable increase in extreme weather events occurring around the world, intense storms, severe flooding, extended droughts, and heat waves, uh, for sure, have impacted many regions. Turn the page. Some key examples include the United States has seen a rise in powerful hurricanes striking the Atlantic coast and the Gulf of Mexico. Major hurricanes like Harvey, Irma, Maria and Florence have caused immense damage through high winds and catastrophic flooding. There are concerns that climate change is increasing the intensity of these storms. Europe has experienced intense heat waves such as in 2003, 2010, and 2018, leading to many heat-related deaths. The summer of 2022 also brought record-breaking temperatures across the continent. Scientists warned heat waves are becoming more frequent and severe due to global warming. Australia has been impacted by longer and more extreme droughts over the past 20 years particularly affecting farming communities. The Millennium Drought from 1997 to 2009 was considered the worst in modern history. Bushfires have also ravaged the country, fueled by hot, dry conditions. Asia has witnessed devastating floods, especially in China, India, Bangladesh, and Japan. Abnormal monsoons and typhoons have led to loss of life and economic damages. 2010, massive floods in Pakistan submerged one fifth of the country. The increased prevalence of extreme weather camp demonstrates how climate change is radically impacted. Has is radically impacted the planet. While no single event can be directly attributed to climate change. The overall patterns match scientific predictions of a warming world. Shifting magnetic poles. The Earth's magnetic poles are constantly in flux, exhibiting a drifting movement that has recently been accelerating. Scientists have observed that the magnetic North Pole is rapidly migrating from Canada towards Siberia, traversing hundreds of miles over the past few decades. Meanwhile, the magnetic south pole is also on the move, shifting from its previous location in the Antarctic Peninsula toward the eastern hemisphere. This drift and weakening of the poles is believed to be driven by changes in the Earth's molten outer core, which generates our planet's magnetic field. As the poles... Oh, where is... Oh, okay. Okay, let's see. Uh, Where am I? As the poles wander farther from their historic locations, it can cause problems for human infrastructure and activities that rely on magnetic navigation, including airplanes and smartphones. Additionally, some researchers believe a pole shift may be an early warning sign of impending geomagnetic reversals. Where the Earth's magnetic poles essentially switch places. Whoops. While pole shift itself does not directly cause natural disasters, it is yet another example of the dynamic activity occurring deep within our restless planet. As combined with other signs of climate change and geological upheaval, the rapidly shifting magnetic poles are a reminder that the Earth is constantly in flux. Their aberrant behavior hints at larger forces reshaping our world from inside out. These events are not random for me. They are clear signs that a significant change is approaching. My strong conviction is that all things are interconnected and our planet is unquestionably progressing toward something genuinely, genuinely distinct, a long-awaited evolutionary new Earth. We love you dearly. We are here with you. We are your family of light. We are the Galactic Federation. Ah, oh, Aurora Ray. And Rama's got a short six minutes, so let's mm. do it really quick. Mm. Oh, Rainbird, I'm going to pass this to you before we do that. And, of course, the Sasquatch and the menahuni and the Angels, Fairies, Feathers, Rainbows, Crystals, and the Emerald Serpent Feathered One is with us. In this talkie stick. Here it comes to you, Rainbird. Okay, I got
0: it. <laughs> it yeah, it's you with that soft on it. But
4: <laughs> <laughs> good job.
0: <laughs> so, <heavy. laughs> well, it, really. so thank you. Thank you, thank you for tonight. It was fun. Lots going on. And lots, that meditation is awesome. So, And Mother is good. So... Here we are. And we get to do it more this afternoon. So i pass this talking stick over to you, Rama. Here it comes.
5: Okay. Tell us. This is Rama. This is Alan Watts. Why letting things go is true wealth. <laughs>
17: I remember once, was looking in the open air and one of those glorious little thistle-down things came and I picked it up like that and brought it down and it looked as if it was struggling to get away, just as if you caught an insect by one leg. It seemed to be struggling to get away and at first I thought, well, it's not doing that, that's just the wind blowing. Then I thought again, really? Only the wind blowing, surely it is the structure of this thing which in cooperation with the existence of wind enables it to move like an animal, but using the wind's effort, not its own. It is more intelligent being than an insect in a way, because an insect uses effort. Like a person who rows a boat uses effort, but the man who puts up a sail is using magic. He lets nature do it for him. With the intelligence to use a Thale, without your using very much effort, gets everything to cooperate with you. Look at it in this way. Supposing the President of the United States were as unknown to you by name as the local sanitary inspector. The man who looks after the drains and the sewage disposal and all that kind of thing. This is not a glamorous figure, you see? But for that very reason, he probably does his job more efficiently than the president. Because the president wastes an enormous amount of time interviewing various groups from uh, the Elks and the Girl Scout and, uh, conferring um, honors and all this kind of thing. The poor man's life must be an utter torment because he's so well known and therefore has absolutely no time to give to the government of the country. (laughs) So that if he were someone quite anonymous and that we didn't have to think about, he would be a very, very good ruler. In just the same way, for example, you don't have to attend unless you're sick to the government of your own body. It happens automatically. It goes on day after day after day. And the the better it is, the less you have to think about it. When you see well, you do not see your eyes. If there is something wrong with your eyes, you start seeing spots. And those spots are spots in your eyes. When you hear well, you'd never hear your ears. But when they start singing, you know, then you're starting to hear your ears and your ears are getting in the way of their own hearing. So on the deepest level, a person as a whole can get in the way of his own existence by becoming too aware of himself. In English, the word heartless has a very bad connotation, as does the word mindless. A heartless person is an inconsiderate, unfeeling person. A mindless person is an idiot. But a person who has mushin, or no mind or no heart in Chinese, is a very high order of person. It means that his psychic center doesn't get in its own way. It operates as if it wasn't there. Zhuangzi says that the highest form of man uses his shin like a mirror. It grasps nothing, it refuses nothing, it receives but does not keep. And the poem says when the geese fly over the water and they are reflected in the water, that the geese do not intend to cast their reflection and the water has no mind to retain their image. So the whole thing is you see to operate in the world as if you were absent being absent as a condition of being present well John says when your belt is comfortable you don't feel it when your shoes are comfortable it is as if you weren't wearing any the more you are aware of these things the less properly they are made or the less properly they fit. Because in the state of being in accord with the Tao, there is a certain feeling of weightlessness, parallel to the weightlessness that people feel when they get into outer space or when they go deep into the ocean. This is, of course, connected with the sensation that you're not carrying your body around. What is this then, weightlessness? It means you, of course, partly that you're not moving around in constant opposition to yourself. Most people move in constant opposition to themselves because they are afraid that if they don't oppose themselves all the time, something awful will happen. When the human being developed the power to be aware of himself, to know that he knows. In other words, when the cortex was formed over the original brain. He fell from grace. That was the fall of man. When he felt he had the sensation of being in charge of being in control of himself and you can only have that sensation when you are aware of what you're doing. He got anxious. Am I aware enough of myself? Have I taken enough factors into consideration? Have I done all that should be done? And then he started trembling. And this is the great human predicament. The development of self-consciousness, the development of the possibility of reflecting upon one's own knowledge. Lao Tzu says, Sir, Regard the universe. He says, the stars come out invariably every night. The sun rises and sets, the birds flock and migrate without exception. All flowers and trees grow upwards without exception. You, by your talk of charity and duty to one's neighbor, you're just introducing confusion into the empire. Your attempt to eliminate self is a positive manifestation of selfishness. You are like a person beating a drum in search of a fugitive. In other words, try to live in such a way that nothing is either an advantage or a disadvantage. You never really know whether something is fortune or misfortune. We only know the momentary changes and as it alters our sense of hope about things. The Taoist is wise enough eventually, you see, to understand there isn't any fixed good or bad. And so his point of view is what is called non-choosing.
4: Okay, everybody. It's time to have a little beauty rest. (laughs) And we'll see you this afternoon and um may we all continue to pass every test and may the force be with you namaste Thot nam. Thot nam g 13 thank you honey in the heart no evil live long
3: and prosper Aloha Aloha everyone Aloha